boys screws loose, they done stripped the bolts on them. Should've never sent them to pick up the work for me. Sprayed the park and had my shit inside the car. Marcus Smart Boy was shooting with a 36 on him. Said if he wasn't in a rush, they was all goners. Tank cursing on Hello and welcome to another edition of Chuddy's Corner. I'm Ben Handler, joined as always by Nick Perino of nickperino.com, where you can watch this podcast, Chuddy's Corner, simulcast, video, and audio. Of course, you can also find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever else you get your podcasts, as Chuddy's Corner. Watch it on Vimeo, or again, nickperino.com, also your home for real estate needs. You can find me, Ben, at King Chuddy on Twitter, and you can find Nick at underscore Nick Perino. So subscribe to the pod. Give us a review. We'd love to hear what you guys think about us and about the Celtics. So speaking of the Celtics, without further ado, that's what we do here. The last time you heard from us, the Celtics were 14 and 14. Things were about about as the record indicated. Some good, some bad, and it pretty much evened out. A lot of weird. Since then, we've had eight games played. We're at the all-star break now. We are filming on Monday, March 9th at about 4.30. So a couple days still before we get more Celtics basketball. For now, we're sitting at 19 and 17. And that's after a four-game winning streak where we dipped to 15 and 17. So five and three since we taped, but four and oh in our last four. 19 and seven again at the All-Star break, which this year for once is also the halfway point in the season mathematically 36 games down 36 more to go in the 72 game season we're in fourth place five games out of first but we're only three games up on the 11 seed which again would be one spot out of the play-in so in other words the middle of the east is extremely jumbled together things are tight we're fourth today but we've dipped you know to ninth it can go back and forth really easily. So don't put a ton of stock in the four seed at the moment. So again, since the last time you were with us, the Celtics started off with a big win over the Hawks. Then they went on the road. They had that Pelicans game where they looked amazing in the first half, got up by about 24 points, and then had one of the worst collapses we've seen Really in recent memory, a a seemingly defining loss. It seemed like that was kind of rock bottom. Then we went out and played the Mavericks, which we played well most of the game, but then let the game get away from us in the fourth again. Then heroically battled back in the final three minutes, only to have Luka Doncic stick multiple daggers into us for another heartbreaking loss that felt like it had to be rock bottom, surely. Then we went to Atlanta, and it all just fell apart. We got destroyed. I think Gallinari made literally 10 threes, and I'm not sure he missed. It certainly didn't feel like he did. Oh, basically the only time he showed up all season. Absolutely railroaded by the Hawks. That had to be rock bottom. And maybe, maybe it has been. Hopefully it has been. Because then we came home, managed to climb back onto our feet with four straight wins, a couple nice ones in there, to roll into the all-star Greek with, with some semblance of momentum. We're about to get Marcus smart back. Things have probably looked as well now as they have in a while, 
So with that, I introduce my co-host, Nick Pereno. Nick, how's it going? What's up, Ben? Oh, not too much. I'm uh, fiending, fiending more basketball. Loving all these college games, don't get me wrong, but uh, I already missed yeah. the Celtics. But they need this break. I needed this mental health break myself, so <laughs> I, thought it, I thought it would help out, but I'm feeling more anxious than ever, so. Right, and of course, that first game is against Brooklyn, so right. it could be a very fast wake-up call once we <laughs> yeah. get Celtics basketball back. Whew. But anyway, having said that, let's pick it up with those eight games I just discussed. The big win, the three-game skid, and then the four wins in a row to, to close out the time before the All-Star break. Without kind of recapping the whole season, Anything new or specific jump out at you from those eight games? Any takeaways? How low were you after the Pelicans and Mavs game? And uh, how high have you climbed, I guess, in the last four? Um, for as far as, you know, differences from the rest of the season, uh, I really think even the, even in the games we won, I feel like the same things are plaguing us that they have all year. Um, the defense and offensive consistency – I've always been a problem. If you, you know, listen to the show, that's pretty much my biggest thing I harp on the most. Um, You know, we have potential to be really good defensively and really good offensively. And for, you know, probably half of the year we have been, but we go through these lulls that are just, it's not conducive to, you know, championship basketball. Um, And it's things I've seen this season, last season. So it's not really anything new. and I don't think, you know, these last four games, we've fixed that necessarily. We obviously played better, uh, especially, you know, on the offensive side. And, um, but yeah, I mean, I'm, I don't think anything's fixed. I think, you know, at my lowest after those, that three game losing streak, I was in tank mode. <laughs> no, not, not, not officially tank mode, but <laughs> right. You know, I mean, you, you know how, uh, how intense I can get. Yeah. Well, oh, hey, it was, it was pretty bad. We were, I get, what, 15, I get passionate. 17? Right. So that's, that's dropping bad. below 500, you know, optically is just was scary. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I can't remember the last time. I mean, when was the last time we were 500 at this point in the season? I mean, I would guess it was Brad's first year when seriously. we were just bad. I see. Yeah. I, I think so. Right. I mean, that's what I'm saying is like that we haven't been, Mm-hmm. 500 at you know the halfway point or you know close to it since i can't even remember um yeah so that's that was scary um and you know i wasn't ready to you know completely blow it up but crazy thoughts were going through my head mm. uh but i don't know i mean we still have the same ceiling in the same floor I think that I thought before those eight games as I do now um and I think you know something I don't know if anything internally can get us over the hump so I don't know I mean well when you say over the hump you mean to be a contender yeah, or to be a contender. So, I mean, I know I'm kind of getting ahead of myself here. <laughs> sure. 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 No, I just but... wanted to, just wanted to clarify what yeah. if you mean, like yeah. over the hump yeah. of 500. Well, no, I think, I think we can be more than five. Well, yeah. Than five. I, well, that's why, that's right. why I was clar- looking for clarification. Um, so, I mean, you know, I know 
a lot of people are saying, Marcus, you know, he's coming back and he is going to help us with, you know, consistency probably on both sides. I mean, we're definitely going to move the ball better on offense. Um, he's obviously going to help out on the defensive end, but I still don't think that's really an excuse for, you know, a long, you know, prolonged periods of, you know, just bad play. Uh, I mean, he's, you know, what, okay. a third best player. I mean, he's, you know, just as important as anyone pretty much, but I think we should be able to win games without him. Um, and at least not even win games. Like, I think we should look like a competitive NBA playoff caliber <laughs> team, which we didn't for a lot of that um, for the first three games. So, um, yeah, I guess. And I mean, the biggest, the biggest takeaway probably from those losses was other than the consistency on both ends. I mean, we were letting up or three pointers at a ridiculous rate. I mean, it was, I think we were letting up a 42% or something during those three games. And I know one of those games was against the Hawks where they just, you know, they couldn't be stopped, but um, you know, we just, we gotta, we have to improve on the consistency and, you know, that's the mark of a young team, I think, but, I don't know. Maybe we'll get there this year. Maybe we won't. But not much has changed for me. Okay. Fair enough. So, yeah, I, I mean, the consistency is pretty obvious, I guess. We keep we keep harping on it. And I think one thing you said, how it's been kind of half good, half bad, it's, it's also that it'll come and go so much in, in games. I kind of I referenced it briefly. But, for example, in that Pelicans game, when we got up, I don't know. We had, I think, a 20-point lead maybe at the half, and it was like 65 to 40 at one point, it felt like, at least. To get to the point where we got that lead, I know the Pelicans aren't good at defense, but it really – you watch just those two quarters, and it felt, you know, to someone who had never – wasn't familiar at all with the NBA, you just show them that, and they think, well, you know, the Celtics, they have to be one of the best teams in basketball because that's how good we can look at times. And then right in that same game, again, in the second half, the collapse was as, as good as the first half was good. It was even worse in the second half. And then obviously in crunch time, which is also a shame because in that game, and I'll talk about it more in a second, but Tatum made two huge clutch plays down the stretch, which were super encouraging, but obviously you blow a 24 point lead and lose in overtime. You're not allowed to talk about that. <laughs> um, and then the Mavericks game, I mean, again, now we actually, it was that was probably the most promising three minutes I'd seen in a while. We got, I think, down 11, I want to say, with about three minutes left. And then Brad actually put Neesmith in, and he kind of changed things on defense, just gave us another switchable wing defender and a guy who was running and moving the ball. And we got right back in the game. It was super encouraging. And then, again, if the Luka – two step back threes. I can't even really get mad at the Celtics for that. They didn't, it wasn't like bad defense. You know, you could argue here and there about switching and who, whatever, but at the, at the end of the day, it was fine defense, just amazing offense. You're not stopping Luca when he does that. So that hurt. And then the Hawks game was just a no show. The thing about Marcus, we've, we've talked ad nauseum about Marcus, how much we love him, all the great stuff he brings, how much they miss him. But I think the thing that gives me the most optimism for how much he'll help is that it really 
does feel like the two areas where we've been hurting the most and have had the least consistency, and it's directly led to some of our worst play, is the ball movement on offense and the perimeter defense, which are probably is, is two biggest strengths, kind of. So he's really good at those things. Just his presence alone will help in those areas. And plus, it's a trickle-down effect of kind of everyone else ha- having to do less and, you know, not just straight up not playing shitty guys as much to an extent so that's part of it and then another thing that's annoying I guess is uh as we've talked about all years the consistency kind of in Brad's rotations whereas I just mentioned Neesmith looked great it seemed like Neesmith was really carving out a role and now he he was DMP the last few games and again we won those games and the guys he played looked good so in a, in a weird way, sometimes it kind of looks like Brad is pulling the right strings. I guess it looks that way when we, when we win, but when we lose, it's really frustrating. And, you know, Neesmith, he's the kind of guy we want to see out there. He's, the, uh, I think, the second youngest guy on the team. He's a, a lottery pick, late lottery. But, again, a guy you'd want to see getting these minutes. So to see him play well, seemingly earn the minutes, and then take him out because Brad wants guys who are going to move the ball is just – frustrating but like I said it did seem to work in those four wins and the one takeaway from the wins because yeah those losses had had everyone thinking we're not a contender with this roster like it the the biggest optimist can't say this team is a contender even though like I said we'll get a lot better but the one thing about those four wins where yeah the inconsistency and all that was still there but the good thing was that it seemed like a Brad kind of shortened the rotations wasn't playing as many guys, which I think just allows for more in-game consistency at least. And the guys he was giving the minutes to were playing harder. Like it felt like we were making more of a concerted effort to, to win. Like those four games meant more to us. Um, and you got some, some of our best performances and then also finally closing out some games. I mean, that wizards game, especially we had no business winning that game down five with 40 seconds left. And not only scoring the three baskets like Tatum did in the last 40 seconds, but all of them kind of knowing exactly what he wanted to do, putting his head down, getting to the basket and scoring three huge clutch baskets for a win. It feels like we haven't pulled one of those out. We've been on the other end of those every time this year. So just getting a win like that. I mean, it sounds silly, but this team just hasn't been able to string wins together. So kind of getting back to a team that wins those kind of games in itself would obviously fix a lot of the problems. Yeah. Um, and going back to what you're saying about Brad and the rotation. Um, I mean, but when, when you talk about him pulling the right strings, I think, you know, it's hard to tell obviously, because like you said, you know, we'll get Grant will play 20 minutes and then get a DMP and then, right. you know, Neesmith will get a DMP and then play 20 minutes. So, you know, when Grant comes out and plays 20 minutes and has a great game, it's like, Oh, well, you know, Brad yeah. pulled the right string, but maybe he pulled the wrong string, DNPing him the game before that. I mean, it's just, you don't really know. And <laughs> we're, we're not going to know without consistent minutes from everybody. And like you said, you know, maybe he didn't play Neesmith that one game because he wants better ball rotation, ball movement. Mm-hmm. But he also, you know, after, you know, stretches where we're playing awful or bad losses, one of the things he always hammers is that, you know, it's not always, it's not necessarily about the wins and losses. It's about, you know, how they look you know, mm-hmm. as a team and if they're progressing and developing in the direction they're going. So if that's the case, then why aren't you playing Neesmith right. and Grant more minutes? I mean, why don't you let that's them figure it out? 
Um, if it's and if we'd lost the last four games, I'd be a lot more frustrated about it. I mean, right. again, when you win the four games at, some, at a certain point, we did just need the wins because yeah. we can say, you know, it is all, I agree with the sentiment of what you're saying. It's more about the, you know, it's not all about the results yet, but at the same time, <laughs> five games under 500, we need yeah. some goddamn results. Right. So I get both sides and yeah, it worked because in those last few games, he gave Grant and Teague a lot of minutes and they played well. If they didn't, people would be at Brad's door right now with pitchforks right. and torches. Yeah. So yeah, it worked. And I don't know how much of that is Brad knowing his guys. And I, I kind of get in a season like this where there's no opportunity for breaks. So maybe giving a guy a few DMPs in a row is a way to keep Neesmith Smith fresh. I'm not sure. Or maybe that's giving Brad too much credit. I don't want to read into it too much, but for whatever reason, it did seem like, you know, we were basically ready to just cut Teague for nothing after getting a bunch of DMPs in a row, he seems to have actually gotten rest or gotten whatever. And he's come back as now part of the rotation and actually looks pretty good. The last few games it's closed out a game. So stuff like that, a lot of this still, the season is just so weird. It's hard to, I don't want to overreact to stuff. I don't want to read too far into it. Cause I think part of this is again, just trying to scrape by in the season with there's guys out every few nights. So we keep harping on consistency, but there's kind of been no consistency in the players' lives and schedules. So, you know, it kind of does make sense. Yeah. And I mean, I guess when I was saying, you know, the consistency in the rotation and, you know, not worrying about the wins and losses and just the development, I mean, I guess kind of maybe that is what he's doing. Um, you know, that I think about it, I mean, he's trying to find the right rotations or the right, mm -hmm. you know, chemistry or something. So, you know, DMPing a guy and then playing 20 minutes the next night, maybe he's just trying something else. I guess. Uh, but you know what's still bothering me too about it all? Is the friggin' double bigs. Like, yeah. Oh, yeah. the last game against Toronto, give me anything else. <laughs> I'm so done with Tyson Thompson starting. He is being pretty stubborn about that. And finally, so last game we were, I mean, we were going to lose to Toronto with half their team out to COVID and no coaches. It was, we're losing at half, right? Down like eight, I want to say. Or we're, I don't uh, know. They were making know. every shot. They looked good. It was bad. Second half, Tice did not play in the whole second half. He started Teague instead of Tice. We went small. And I hate how the announcers, Scal too, is like, oh, it's going small. Like, this is the this is the matchup. It's nice to go. Like, it's some shift. No. Every <laughs> matchup, it's the right move to go small. There's, It's never the right move to play two centers starting. It's just like we're putting ourselves in a hole every game voluntarily. It's too stubborn. I, I mean, we've been critical. I've, I understand the reasons for it, but at a certain point, I just don't care. It's not effective. Or if you're going to do it, do it later in the game if, if there's a good opportunity for it. But just to continue starting this unit is frustrating because I don't think it's leading to anything. And I get when Marcus gets back, that's the starting lineup. But then put someone in who, who more closely resembles Marcus's role so that guys are – starting in the natural roles they'll be starting in when games do matter because it's getting to a point where it's just tough to watch and it's it's frustrating it really is yeah starting teague over tice in the second half is not going small that's pretty much standard i'd say i mean that's For like the NBA, more traditional is. lineup yeah. tatum's what six ten. he can play yeah. the four in the nba yeah. today he's six ten. he's a great defender yeah. brown's not too much shorter <laughs> we'll get by i'm, I'm fairly confident 
it's just driving me crazy. It clogs the paint. The spacing's not there. Like, and then again, he goes small and they're like, oh, there's a good, good wrinkle to throw at him. Yeah. No, we're basically just admitting that going big was awful. So genius. I certainly hope that uh, is Marcus officially back for Thursday night's game. Do we know yet? I haven't heard. I'm not sure either. He might take him another game either way. Like he cannot get back soon enough. And then mm-hmm. just please, please let that be the end mm-hmm. of the two big starting lineup. Cause Oh man, tough to watch. Um, anything else from the tape from those games? I think another takeaway for me would be have to be our boy. We've been ahead of us all year and, and before this year, but Robert Williams, it seems like kind of everyone else is starting to catch up with the, the Robert Williams hype and realizing like, this guy has to play, including Brad. I think to an extent, he has clearly been making an effort to play him more. And it just seems like the more he plays, the, the more good things happen. Again, he makes a mistake here and there, but like, players make mistakes. It's fine. He can play. Tatum and Brown make mistakes too. Brad doesn't, you know, cut their minutes. Like, whatever. Just let the kid out there. Let him free. I, I think we're all at that point. Like I said, the minutes have been up. The results keep going up. As the minutes go up, Tice, again, with a DMP in the second half last game. I'm not sure he should be the one who falls out of the rotation. But two more weeks to go before the trade deadline. I think we have eight games left. And then it'll hopefully it'll be free Rob <laughs> and the end of the double bigs forever. Like a two-for-one special. Please let that happen. Yeah. Uh, I mean, Robert Williams has basically forced Brad to play more. I mean, yeah. at this point, you can't. You can't, you know, it, you can't it not would, play. It would be He's, coaching malpractice right. to not eventually play this guy more than Tyson Thompson when he just is always plays better when he's right. out on the floor. Like, so obviously, you know, that's not, uh, you know, that's not a hot take anymore. I mean, everybody's, even the national media is on Robert Williams yeah, now. So yeah, it's um, everyone's there. <laughs> I am, I am happy to see T playing, you know, at least average now. Uh, I don't bang my head against the wall when I see him come in the game. So the thing is, he, he has to do so little to succeed. Right. Like, right. We need so little from him. Just be confident and do it what you've always doesn't. done. Yeah. I mean, just don't make I mistakes know. is all I'm really asking. Just don't for. immediately turn the ball over yeah. every time take, you touch it, which is what he, he was doing. If he can just be honestly, just be Brad Wanamaker, then <laughs> fine. I know. I know. That's, that's yeah. all I really care about. Aaron for the days of Wanamaker. I'd rather, I'd rather not notice you. And if, if I don't notice you, then you're probably playing good enough. <laughs> yeah, no. Um, and frankly, he was, he was playing actually well, especially yeah. in those last few games. He had some really good moments. So yeah, he did. I'll give Teague some credit. I, you know, we had written him off and, but Hey, looks like he kept a good attitude has been a good mm-hmm. vet as advertised. No reason to think he wouldn't be, but he played his way back into the rotation. So yeah. Good for him. And, you know, we talked shit about Teague, but again, that's all based on the way he was playing. If he's playing right. well, I'm happy to see him out there. Yeah. Don't dislike the guy. I just right. want him to play better. Yeah, I mean, um, this is what we saw the last few games, I think, is what more <laughs> what we were expecting when we signed. And kind of, I'd say the same kind of goes for Tristan, too. Um, we've kind of hammered on both of them for most mm-hmm. of the season for, you know, rightfully so. But I think I feel like he's sort of playing in his role a little bit more now. Um, again, he- I'm not... The less I notice him, the better. Well, yeah, right. We want him to set screens and rebound. That's it. Yeah. And 
like we said again, this is this is who Thompson was. Expecting him to be someone else for the Celtics no. makes no sense. The biggest frustrations with him, to me, are just that he's causing us to start two centers, right? And that he's taking away so many minutes from other guys who I, I want to play more. Like it's if we didn't have Robert Williams and it was a normal center rotation between Thompson and Tyson, the thought of Robert Williams never existed. I'd be perfectly content with him. Yeah, no, I, I agree. Um, but I mean. Regardless, it's nice to see both of them playing a little better. Because, uh, I mean, they'll, yeah. you know, it'll be nice. It's nice to have that depth. I mean, you know, I hope they're not huge parts of the rotation come the end of the year in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. But, you know, regular season, you need depth. And, um, if they and again, just, we've, you know, get we've us, mentioned you know, that injury to Williams' right. knee. So maybe yeah. that's part of it is that they're just scared that he can't make it through the whole season. And then we don't want to be stuck with, with one big, right. even though at that point you'd think I would, again, I'd be fine seeing Grant Williams play backup right. center. So yeah, yeah. whatever, but maybe, maybe, I don't know. That's it's hard getting into the mind of like, are we managing Williams for injury? Is it because he's still, they want him to be more mature is, are they trying to hide how good he is so he can resign him to a cheaper contract? Like, I don't know, but it's at the point so where anyone, you don't need to be like some advanced stack guy or any of this and that. I don't, I don't even think I need to repeat his per 36 minutes at this point. No. Cause he just passes every test. If you know anything about basketball, you watch him play, you can tell this guy's mm. really good and can get even better. So he passes the, the casual fan test as I, well too. Cause yeah, he well, yeah. you know, leaps through the leaps through the roof. Right. As big blocks. So you, you get the casuals free Rob and then you get the, you know, <laughs> the guys like us who want a free Rob. So, I mean, he's got a big yeah. following now. Yeah, but obviously Doris I mean, the, on for a while. So the little stuff is starting to get there. You know, he's bad. He can't defend a pick and roll. Okay, fine. He's learning. He's showing progress. And it's just like, we'll live with the growing pains. Like we do with every other guy. We're, we're just treating him like he's such a project and it's, he's, he's already really good when he's on the floor. Yeah. If it's, if it's not the hip, just man, let him free. Uh, Agreed. All right. So, any more takeaways from the, the games that we've seen Celtics-wise, or should we dip into the All-Star break? Um, I'm ready to start the All-Star break, get into the second half. Let's do it. So, the Celtics had two All-Stars, Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown, of course. Jalen making All-Star for the first time. So, it was nice. I was, I was happy for him, especially with it in his hometown, Atlanta. And uh, he deserved it frankly. So it's even better, but man, tough, tough crowded all-star field. So many good all-stars. It was tough to make the team. I was a little nervous, even though I, I felt confident and felt like he deserved it. But like I said, there was some good players who didn't make it. So uh, no shame. And then Tatum for the second straight year was an all-star reserve, got to start because of Durant's injury. Both guys played in the three-point contest, which was kind of interesting. I'm not sure that would have been the case in a normal year or if because of COVID they were just picking guys out who were in the game. But they both have obviously had all-star seasons, and they've both shot the ball well from three, even though not quite as good than uh, in February, but certainly deserving. They obviously did not win the three-point contest. Tatum made the second round, but I think that was about it. And then uh, as for the actual all-star game, they both played a decent chunk. They scored 22 points for Brown, 21 for Tatum. As they're on opposite teams, uh, Team LeBron with Jalen Brown won. And uh, he did not get the MVP, which is bullshit. Um, <laughs> no, but uh, that was pretty much it. 
the moment, the couple plays where they actually guarded each other, Tatum and Brown, they kind of went one-on-one for one play and uh, Brown kind of blew by him a little bit, but it seemed like the D got called for the foul. I don't know what happened, but it was kind of fun, kind of cool, but also kind of like, why are my friends fighting? Uh, (laughs) So it's a little bit of that. What were your takeaways from the whole uh, all-star festivities, including, I guess, the all-star draft where uh, Tatum was technically the last starter to be picked. Like he just by default, it ended up being him was put on Durant's team, which I mean, again, he shouldn't have probably been a starter anyway. So really no shock or shame in that. And then Brown was picked about relatively early by LeBron for the reserves, uh, at least in the middle of the pack, not, not one of the end guys. And LeBron, as he picked them, called him Jalen underappreciated Brown. So. Yeah. I think he could have done a little better with that nickname, but. Yeah. Um, I don't know if that one's going to stick. <laughs> yeah. I don't think it's a stick. Um, I don't know. I mean, who really cares about the draft? No. <laughs> I mean, no, not the draft. I, 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 I kind of think it's I mean, interesting to see what no, players I, think of other players. I do. And like, I thought it was maybe more interesting than the draft too. And Chris Paul's interview before the game, Chris Paul said um, they asked what he liked about the All Star game, and he said it's cool to to be here with with different guys who you don't know a lot and it's kind of their first time, something like mm-hmm. that. And he he mentioned Jalen by name was the first guy he said to be in the locker room with a guy like Jalen Brown. Yeah. So just to show what guys think of him, obviously off the court, we all know about that, and you know his on the court game backing it up too. So cool in that sense. Chris Paul is the president of the Players Association, right? And Jalen Brown's on that whatever board. Yeah, Jalen is the I think the vice president, wasn't he? Yeah, or he was. So I don't know. Like Hard I to heard, keep track, wasn't, but wasn't Kyrie up for a VP or something? Something scary like that. <laughs> Hard to follow all the politics yeah. of it. <laughs> but um, yeah, I mean it's it's nice to see you know the I don't know it's I wouldn't say drama of it, but I feel like you can kind of get a, a sense for you know who people like and you know, friends drafting friends and what, yeah. you know, players really think about other players. Mm-hmm. I mean, obviously Trey Young not being an all-star, I think that shows what a lot of, you know, the, the you know, other all-stars think about him. I mean, what was well, he I like? think that's more the coaches. Well, didn't he, didn't, when we, uh, wasn't he ranked like pretty low on the, the players' rankings? But yeah, I guess, but they only vote for the start. I don't know. It, it's... It, they only vote for starters, so yeah. I mean, he got kind of disrespected, but again, if you look at the East guards, it's kind of stacked, and it's all sure. now Irving and Harden and guys that you know the vets really, really yeah. like. So, yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, Tatum being the last starter pick, that's probably fair. Um, yeah, and it wasn't even really the last pick because I think the way it, since Durant was injured and LeBron had last pick, oh, yeah, uh, yeah. he got first pick. The last two, Beal and Tatum, automatically yeah. went to Durant. So, right. again. Not a big, sorry, I wouldn't call that like any disrespect. Right. Like no, that. Not at all. Um, Brown did go earlier than expected. I was worried he'd be Mr. Irrelevant, but I'd like to see him. I mean, you know, team building. LeBron, LeBron knows how to build a roster. So <laughs> that was a good call by him. Um, yeah. It was obviously it was cool seeing Tatum and Beal play together, be on the same team. Obviously, they were all that was fun. jazzed up about it. Probably recruiting trip. Yeah, probably their kids. Overblown, the pictures but... of their kids together. No, yeah. no, not overblown. No. Once I saw the pictures of the kids, I was like, all right, let's go. Come on, Brad. Right. So <laughs> I don't know. That was fun. I mean, at least it was a nice little storyline. Got, you know, gave us yeah. something to talk about for a week. But definitely. Um, I don't know. All star break was the all star break. Um, game was how it usually is a lot of scoring, not a lot of defense. And um, 
you know, a little bit of drama at the end. That new fourth quarter format seems to be working. Love the Elam ending. Yeah. Um, I mean, again, it's a 20-point game. There's no drama. And instead, you have Dame and Curry going back, trying to be heroes and hit a half-court right. walk-off shot. And you get a... Right. You get Dame kind of stepping up, rising to the top of like the star of stars in the last moment. I think he scored the last 11 points and hits a right. walk-off half-court shot. Yeah. So, hey, you don't well, get anything like that with a normal without the Elam ending. So He had something to prove you uh, not being a starter, right? Yeah, not being a starter. Probably, he probably wasn't happy about that. <laughs> yeah, well, of course he's not happy. I mean, it doesn't really matter. And, again, how much of that is just all the all, – everyone voting for Luka. I mean, it's Luka, Curry, and Dame. It's probably the three best guards – in the NBA in the first half. So, but yeah, that, no, that was cool to see on a non-Celtic note from that was, that was definitely the coolest part of the game overall. Right. Um, yeah. The Celtic stuff. I just, I think I thought it was cool that Jalen and Tatum seem so kind of like they just fit in so well when they're all with all stars, no pun intended, but yeah. you kind of never know. And I, I get a little nervous going out there. They're like, Oh, you know, like they're my own guys and especially Jalen being there for his first time. Like you want him to go out and be himself and look like he belongs. And it, he was actually a little, a little more aggressive than I thought he'd be. He came in and just started firing and he obviously hit like, I think he had five threes. He had that turnaround fadeaway three in the corner. He pulled up from almost half court at one point and was like joking around with Steph about it. So just seeing those guys that, you know, now they are kind of in that elite group of stars and they fit right in and they belong and they're going to be there for a while. So kind of cool to see. And the, for better or worse, these things kind of become like recruiting trips in a sense. So to see that we got two guys who are right in the mix of it, it's hard to say that's not a good thing for the organization going forward. Yeah, I was, I was a little worried Jalen was going to be, you know, at the end of the bench by himself and people are going to, leave him hanging <laughs> on high fives and yeah, he was going to be, you know, eating lunch alone, yeah, but no, so, this is nice. And the whole, so I'm reading I, into it a little too much is what you're saying. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I don't know. It was nice seeing them on, you know, it was, it was fun seeing them on opposite teams and guarding each other. Cause What's I feel almost? like they, it was like a camaraderie builder almost. I feel like, cause I mean, they're, they're obviously friends yeah. and they get along and but they've always been more like, they've always struck me more. as like, you know, coworkers, um, in a sense where, you know, they're friends, but you know, they pretty much mm-hmm. it's, it's the job, but this time it kind of felt like, you know, they were buddies, they were kind of, you know, playing off on each other and having a good time, getting a laugh in. Um, so that was nice to see. Um, even if it's, you know, something small, but, you know, seeing them both, having them both be there, realizing that they're both, you know, all stars and realizing, you know, now it's, we gotta, we gotta grow up. You know, we're we're <laughs> yeah. some of the best players in the league. It's time for us to start acting like it and yeah, taking over. So I mean, I think we know it's you know it's probably a little overblown, but I think there's a little bit of that, anyways. No, I think it matters. It, yeah. it matters some. It, I'm I'm probably overreacting a little, but it does matter. And like you said, that Tatum, I know he was not voted as a starter. He was just replacing Durant, but still starting in the All Star game that's a big deal. And you saw Zion get kind of prompted into starting for uh, Embiid with the COVID issue. And Zion, I don't know if it was nerves or what, but he couldn't make a dunk. He looked a little, he, awesome. he, for example, did not look like he belonged. And, you know, right. he's, he's 20 years old. He'll be back. So not a big deal, but that was interesting. And again, just, you know, nice to see, uh, see our guys looking good out there. So that was promising. And I think more important probably than anything else 
knock on wood, but it seems like they've made it out of the whole situation unscathed, as far as we know. Watch, they'll test positive for COVID 20 minutes after we after we tape, but they're not injured. And last year, I think we're all kind of scarred by the memory of that Kemba playing in that Elam ending for, I don't know, way too long on a bad knee and then seemingly paying the price for it till still, frankly. So I think we we're all a little scarred and a little nervous, but it seems like, again, knock on wood, we've escaped without any further issues. So I think that's enough all-star talk for everyone. You don't want to well, touch move- the three-point contest? Uh, well, I mean, I, I kind of did quickly. I don't know if you have anything <laughs> else to say. It was, no, I don't know. They're I, great players. Yeah. They're probably not the best choices for the three-point contest. They could certainly bury threes and get hot, but yeah. they're not really that kind of catch-and-shoot guys or pick-up-the-ball-and-shoot guys, whatever you call that. As long as they had fun. They did, and Tatum put up a nice show in, in the first round. Yeah. But, again, it's Steph Curry and Jalen Brown is, like, not really a fair match in a three-point contest. But, again – it just speaks to how far Jalen has come in his growth. Cause I think oh, yeah. in his rookie year, if you told people, Hey, in five years, Jalen Brown's going to be in three point contest. They would have <laughs> laughed at you. It's probably, I mean, two years ago, I would have laughed. Yeah. Well, yeah, not even, but yeah. again, just to, to show the growth and the, yeah. the commitment he's made to improving every part of his game is, you know, it's nice to see him get to enjoy that moment. Hopefully he did enjoy it. He's a competitive guy. So maybe not, but <laughs> he didn't embarrass himself. No, that's all that really matters. All right. Yeah, exactly. Just have fun. Don't embarrass yourself. Most importantly, don't get hurt. So I think that's three for three. (laughs) All right. Moving on. Let's kind of quickly recap the whole first half. I'm going to give out Chud's report card, my grade for every Celtics player who's played, the coach and the GM. So, Nick, where do you want to start? Um. Let's start at the top, I guess. So let's go. Let's go, Danny on the way down. Oh, so you want to start with Danny, the GM? Yeah, I'm saying start at the top, Danny. <laughs> oh, the Brad, top of the yeah, yeah. yeah. All top right. of the food chain. <laughs> Wick, what about Wick? No. Oh, yeah. <laughs> All right, I'm gonna give Danny a C minus. Okay. So it's it's easy to get mad and want to give him an F, but again. You have to remember Tatum and Brown are on the team and those are Danny's prizes and they are both really good. They both made the all-star game. So that alone gets him to about the C area. Cause Hey, people, people like to say point to Danny's draft record, not to do this whole bit again, but, and say that he's never done anything. The Brown and Tatum picks were both so far from a sure thing and people just glossed them over. Oh, well, yeah, it's easy to nail a top three pick, whatever. Like, no, it's not easy to absolutely dominate the draft from those positions. Trading out of the one spot when Fultz was a unanimous one for Tatum was so far from a sure thing. It's not funny. And same thing with Jalen Brown. Those are both kind of contrary moves and they've both proven to like clearly, clearly be the moves that were the right moves and will more or less define this franchise for probably over a decade. So the people that say that, you know, it's easy now in the top three pick. Yeah. I mean, right. Tell that to the, Sacramento or Atlanta. Or look or at the two picks ahead of, <laughs> ahead of Tatum. I mean, yeah. I wouldn't say they were right. major hits. I mean, Monzo's fine and faults. We all know what happened there, but yeah, he, no, I, I, just the fact alone that Jalen Ingram, 
and Ben Simmons. That draft class is the first draft class since only the second ever and the first since the 90s where the first three picks have ever made an all-star game in the same draft. So that stat alone tells you every single year, almost without fail, one of the first three picks is never even going to make an all-star game. Right. So there you go. And I mean, a lot of times it's not even two of them. So that's my defense of Danny not getting a worse grade. Almost everything else has looked uh, pretty underwhelming. So again, I wasn't, I tried not to be too harsh on anyone because of all the COVID stuff and everything else that everyone's dealing with. And the fact that the season's not over, this is more of a, a check-in with the teacher and uh, Mr. Mr. Ben is, is giving a C minus a low 70 with a hope that there's still a lot of time left. And with a couple moves here, getting healthy and the team looking better, I, Danny can certainly still make honor roll by the end of the year, but he's not really coasting along at the top of the class. Like he has been for a while, I guess. Uh, I certainly don't see honor roll, but I don't know. <laughs> well, Sim- by the end of this season, no, no, chance. no chance. <laughs> I mean, was it, is he going to score uh, 120 on the next, you know, all right. Five tests. <laughs> yeah, maybe honor roll is a stretch, but I was like, like, you know, he can get up to the to low, low B at least. All right, yeah. Something in the B range. Sure, Bs. I don't know what honor roll is anymore, so. I guess that's fair. I don't even uh, either. I'm surprised they still give kids grades. I mean. I don't. Feelings hurt, you know. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I don't know. C-minus, I guess, is fair only because we haven't gotten through trade deadline I mean, I guess it's to this point we're saying is a C minus, um, right. but you know, obviously, end of the year, like you said, they could be much better depending on. If yeah, let's happens. put it this way: if the season keeps going this exactly the way it is, and we have the same second half as we did the first half, basically, yeah. then yeah, he's he's looking at a failing grade. Right. For uh, sure. But at this but, point, it's easy—not easy, but there's enough reason to kind of building excuses that mm. will will start to go away. At the end of the year, but it's like, you know, to put it in perspective of a classroom, it's like the Tatum Brown picks and how they're looking this year are, are two A pluses, like on major tests that he nailed. And then on all the other kind of minor that, grade graded classwork, he's just mailing it in. That's more <laughs> that's more of a career grade though. I mean, yeah, if we're just talking this season. Well, right. I mean, yeah, he didn't do anything. If you're grading only, I guess, his work in this yeah. season, but uh, that's what I did for everyone else but I, I don't know for the gm it's kind of hard to do that so what you want to trade just the, his draft picks and the gm is more free agency a, acquisitions or non-moves yeah. Yeah. i don't know then maybe i guess it's still around the same point thompson yeah. and teague aren't looking good like good no. signings but i don't think there were a lot of better options um neesmith maybe not looking like a great draft pick certainly not in terms of helping us in the first half of the season we could have drafted a lot better players so that looks bad, but Pritchard at 26 helped a lot and we really needed him. So that looks good and kind of balances out to me. Yeah. And draft was average. I'd say, you know, TBD. Um, yeah. Off season, like you said, those moves looked like they could be, you know, diamonds in the rough at the time. I don't think they were on anyone's radar really um, at the time. No, I mean, and, sw- in retrospect, swapping cancer in the pick that became Desmond Bain for, Basically what Thompson, uh, that doesn't look very good at all. <laughs> so, but again, at the time, no, no one wanted to keep cancer. And yeah. so I don't know, it's tough. And like the Teague was such a minimum contract. Mm. 
I mean, Teague was was a low risk. I mean, whatever. Yeah. But, uh, uh, again, Danny's <laughs> a grade as much as anyone's is probably incomplete at this point. Yeah. Yeah. So whatever. C C minus. I I can co-sign that. All right. Let's. Uh, what do you have for Brad? My boy. <laughs> so, I gave Bradley a C plus, which mm. might seem generous, mm. but again. He's, he's using what he has to work with. He's had some good moments. The last few nights, the games were encouraging. Um, and you know, a C plus, that's a bad grade for him. He's a nerdy, he's a nerd. He's an honor roll nerd. So he's not happy with the C plus. I think that's more of a reflection of disappointment for how he's done. But at the same time, I look around the NBA and there's just a lot of like bad coaches. So it's hard for me to get too upset. I think I got another guy who, I don't want to judge him too harshly because the main work for him is, is obviously still to come and we'll see how he's coaching when he has a full deck of cards and how much of this is just trying to manage this weird COVID season. Yeah. Um, I mean, you know, you know how I've, I've been critical of Brad. Um, and I mean, it's saying that he's working with what he's got. I mean, that's kind of been, brad's thing i mean since he's been in the nba working with what he's got has been his strength yeah i mean to give him a break for working with what he's got and you know not performing i don't know if that's exactly fair um but i mean yeah yeah, i mean i think this compared to his and you know his whole um compared to like his career this is probably one of the better rosters he's had like maybe minus you know Irving and uh, mm. uh, Hayward or which you know, was his worst coaching job. Right. So, right. So, <laughs> again, how much of that has to do with him exactly. up for debate and unclear, yeah. but so I think obviously there's a lot of, you know, room for improvement for Brad. He's, we've always been, you know, concerned about the rotation, what he's doing with the double bags and blah, blah, blah. Um, so, I mean, if he's serious about, not caring about wins and losses, then clearly he has unreal job security. You know, well, number he, one. he does. He does. Yeah. So, <laughs> and number two, then, you know, then let's see how this pays off. I mean, if, if you're really concerned about developing the team and, you know, you know, seeing how, you know, what we can do for the second half and you know, mm-hmm. trying to build some sort of chemistry and rotation, that you're confident in going into the end of the season, the playoffs, then let's right. see that pan out. I mean, exactly. If we play that's, and great, that's all that really matters. Right. So if we play great second half, uh, you know, it looks like it's partially due to, you know, what he's been doing the first half, you know, building out this, right. exactly. Finding out who's playing what minutes then. Yeah. Um, right. Whatever. But well, that's why I don't want to give him too low of a grade. Cause yeah. again, a lot of the criticism early in the season might end up looking dumb to put things in perspective again. We're still, even with all of these kind of sky is falling moments and how disappointing this season has seemed, at the halfway point, we are the four seed in the East. It's only the Bucks, Nets, and Sixers ahead of us. Three really good teams. And again, we're five games out of first. Like, if we finish with the top four seed and are looking good going into the playoffs, then all of this kind of shittiness really doesn't matter and will pretty, pretty quickly go away if we're gearing up for a playoff run looking good as a top four seed. No? Yeah, I mean... The key, the key phrase is looking good. I mean, you know, sure. even to this point, 
you know, we're in fourth place. That's great. Well, no, I'm not saying we are looking good right now. I'm just saying, I'm more saying the as a result of the standings, we haven't like crippled ourselves. Normally, if we'd started this bad, and as you're saying, you know, 15 and 17 at one point in some years, we could be out of the playoffs looking at we're in 10th place. Like, holy shit, we got to do something. It's like as bad as things have gone for us, it's been going around the league. Bad things are happening to almost every team. We're still in a fine position, I guess, is what I'm saying. Yeah, no, that's that's nothing's really been lost despite all this stuff. We're not going to get the one seed, but that's okay. Yeah. Um, no, I, I understand, but I mean, you know, I'm just, I'm just saying it's, I don't want to, I don't, I'm not the type of person that's looking at standings and be like, Oh, well we're in fourth place. So everything's fine. But in reality, no, no. you know, but I'm just, <laughs> the, the eye test, we're not passing the eye test. Which we're is not worse. passing the eye test. And that's not, that's not what I was saying. I was more no, just I know, saying, I know. I'm just trying to clarify. We've, we're treading water fine. Like we haven't really lost anything as a result of this play that we can't easily still salvage. Right. No, oh, I agree. All right. Should we move on to the, uh, the actual guys playing basketball? Oh yeah. Let's do that. Um, <laughs> so, I mean, if we're just going, you know, top to bottom, you know, as far as, I don't know, minutes played, uh, I guess that would start us off with Jason Tatum. Sure. Tatum, I gave a B plus because I think he's been really good. He's taken a lot of steps forward. He's kind of delivered what you would want from him. He also had COVID. It missed a bunch of games. It clearly affected him. So it's taken him some time to get back and he hasn't looked great. He was in a quite a shooting slump at times, but I think for the most part, everything I've seen from Tatum has solidified that, you know, he's the guy for this team for a long time to go. So I think a solid, very solid B plus he's been a rock um, and still with, with room for improvement, you know, the B plus speaks more to how amazing I still think he can be and that, you know, he still can improve in a lot of areas, but he's, he still has played really well. Yeah. Uh, you, you can't give him, you can't give him an A. I mean, you know, obviously, technically uh, an all-star starter. Um, but I think, you know, making the all-star game is expected from him now. Um, yeah. I mean, you know, he, he looks like he's the type of player that's going to start turning into a perennial all-star. Um, so I think... He, is, he already is. I wouldn't even say he's yeah. looking like he yeah. already is. I mean, he, if I mean, he never yeah. improved for the rest of his career, he's, he's a perennial all-star. Right. So, I mean, that's, you know, we're not really taking that put that factor into yeah. play really much um you know just watching him play though he he looks you know like maybe he's marginally better than last year he's still you know working on his game every year he's gonna still get better um i still think was he averaging 24 something 25 really i think he's a better scorer than that i mean i think you know we've seen it he's obviously yeah. he can put up 30 to 40 no problem it's just um, I don't know. I mean, you know, he'll go through. Well, he can be. And again, yeah. he, he missed some games. He's been happy to kind of seed opportunity, I think, to, to Brown and, and to Kemba since Kemba's come back too. So I'm not concerned, I wouldn't say, with, with scoring numbers so much. It's yeah. from him. I, I'm seeing the things I want to see. I, I still want to see him get better at drawing fouls. It seems like he has that one move where he kind of gets in the post on anyone smaller and he can do that massive uh, kind of power step into the lane as he rips the ball through. And it seems like that's either he goes up for an uncontested dunk or he gets fouled 
every single time. So stuff like that. Um, I think he has already gotten a lot more aggressive than people thought. I think in that first week we were talking about, he was settling for step backs at the end of the game, but he's been good about, about getting to the hoop and, you know, those closing, those closing minutes, he's gotten pretty damn good at that. I think he's become one of the more reliable guys in the league for, for kind of clutch moments that you can just throw the ball to and count on him, which has been really promising. But I think in the overall scheme of the game, he can get to the line more. Uh, it seems like the three point attempts have been down in recent games, which I, I don't like, because it seems like he can kind of pop that sidestep three anytime he wants and those pull up threes when he's in rhythm. So the percentages and the attempts have dipped. Uh, I'd like to see that pick up and, you know, there's, there's still better shot selection. I think he can have in general cutting out the kind of the mid range that he still falls in love with. And he's so damn good at it, but he just doesn't need it sometimes. And then he's come a long way as a creator. He's, he's just, he can make really, really good plays for teammates, but there's still like, I think another step to take before he's one of those elite guys who can just kind of control every aspect of the game. And he's, he's, he's showed signs of it. And again, he's come really far and I love the growth, but to the, saying that there's room to improve like i said is more speaks to how amazing he is and and how amazing i think he can be so i think a b plus is a very fair grade all around yeah i'm I'm on board with that um and you know the the shot taking like we said sometimes he settles for you know these tough shots and you know he makes them when he's making them it's like you know (laughs) yeah looks like a great move, but right. You know, and that, that one his... contested fadeaway long yeah. two he made against the Raptors was yeah. like just an really absurd cool, but... shot where well, it's like, there's no need to take it no. at all. It's one of the, probably the wor- lowest percentage shots on a basketball court you can take right. in yeah. the year 2021. Yeah. But of course he buried it. So yeah. what I'm, <laughs> what I most encouraged from, by, from Tatum is uh, the way he's, closing out games um yeah you know we've seen it here and there when he's you know given the opportunity but you know the last stretch of games where you know it's tight down the you know late in the fourth he's hitting shots consistently he's taken you know seemingly for the most part Mm -hmm. good looks um he'll take it to the basket um he'll take a mid-range take a three whatever you know, whatever you need him to do, he'll, he'll take it. And he's making it consistently. Um, so that's huge. If he can be, you know, a real true closer, then that's really, you know, the next level um, for him, I think. I mean, because the rest of it, yeah, I think is going to come. And I think he's pretty know? much there. I mean, I'm not saying he's maybe a top 10 guy in the league closer that you'd want the ball in his hands in that hmm. situation, but he, he's definitely climbing the list and he's not too far off the top 10. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's the thing. It's like he – he can get any shot he wants really um and i mean even if it's you know he can he can get a shot off that's has a pretty good chance of going in under any circumstance i mean whether it's you know 10 feet Mm -hmm. behind a three whether it's one of those ridiculous turnaround mid-range i mean no shot he doesn't take a shot that doesn't have a chance to go in really um i mean that's i guess what you're really looking for in a closer other than the fact that you make them. So, um, you know, (laughs) that's exciting. He does. So, yeah, yeah. no. And then I think that's a more important takeaway than the scoring numbers you mentioned, where it's almost like he can, he's fine with not being the top scorer. He's been letting, you know, him, he and Brown have been going back and forth with scoring, whatever, but it's like, he doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if Kemba has the most points, the most shots, this and that. 
he's the guy in the in the end of the game and that's that's been you know Kemba's been that guy his whole career so it's interesting to see (laughs) kind of the transfer of power but at this point it's like very clear it has to be Tatum and he's taken on that role and thrived and I look forward to to more of it so let's get to Jalen Brown on that segue um obviously We've seen great things out of him this year. First time All-Star. So what are you going with for a grade? Yeah. Jalen, I gave an A minus, which uh, could probably argue that he could have got the straight A with room to spare for an A plus. I took away a little just because it seems like he was he was getting tired, slowing down a bit before that stretch before the All-Star game and uh, wasn't playing his best. And so I, I don't want to say it's a step back, but he hasn't quite brought it on the defensive end the same way that he has on the offensive end. And there's still, I still get frustrated with him a lot on his off off ball defense. It seems like when he's on a guy and it's kind of his task to shut him down, he really rises to the occasion. He's, you know, can lock down guys, which is awesome. But that maybe that makes it almost more frustrating where it seems like he still will kind of fall asleep at times or just miss a rotation looks lost. Stuff like that is really probably the only thing for me that knocked him from an A to an A minus because now I can jump to all the positive stuff, which has been pretty much everything else. The clear step he's taken in every single aspect of his offensive game. We've probably spent more time in the history of this podcast gushing about Jalen's performance this season than possibly anything else. So I don't really need to redo it. He's been just awesome at everything. Taking the lead. As he has every year, he's taken a leap, and this year to take one of the hardest leaps from really good to all-star, which he's earned. And for much of the season, he was the best player on the team, most consistent player. He was there the most, and he straight-up performed. He earned every bit of that all-star spot. So A-minus, and that might even be a little harsh. Yeah, I think that's fair. Um, I like to I like to say it's really, really hard to get an A. So giving an A minus, that leaves a little bit of room for improvement. Um, but I mean, he's obviously taking a step this year, but I mean, he was pretty much playing like this, you know, in the bubble for the most part. Um, so, I mean, I guess it's kind of unfair because he took, it was basically an off season leap. He took pre bubble and then just carried over to this. But year. I think I mean, just the, just the consistency. Too. Oh yeah. The consistency has been, you know, the biggest part of it. And then, you know, the efficiency and he's lost a little bit of that. Maybe he is getting tired. Um, so hopefully he's right. still break. Well, and the knee, the knee tendonitis yeah, is, yeah. is a real thing. So, so we'll see, we'll see what happens there, but um, a minus is fair. I mean, he's definitely in the A's. I mean, first time all-star yeah. has very deserving all-star um, probably. I mean, you could argue he's been our best player the first half of the year. Um, yeah. I, th- I don't even know overall. if it's much of an argument. Really. Yeah, I know. So, <laughs> So it's hard to not, you know, at least get an A minus, but I think that's fair. Yeah. I think kind of the biggest question with Jalen at this point is at what point will he kind of start to stagnate at least a little, like is he going to make another jump next year to like all NBA status is where is the ceiling at this point? Cause he's already probably smashed through what most people thought it was. And he just shows no signs of slowing down. He's such a hard worker and, it, it seems dumb to bet against him at this point. He's still only what, 24, 25 years old. Like there's no reason to believe he can't kind of take more jumps. So 
it sounds crazy. It would have sounded crazy at least not long ago to even suggest it. But is do you think there's another leap he can make to like a true superstar who gets his name into the conversation for a top 10 or whatever player in the league? Is that ceiling there now at this point? I think that's fair to ask. Yeah, I mean, it's fair to ask. And I'm not the right person to ask because <laughs> I, ne- I never thought Jalen could be this good. Well, um, who did other than yeah. him? <laughs> right, exactly. Um, so I don't know. I mean, like I said, I'm not the right person to ask, but I, I think it feels weird the, to ask. Yeah. The thing, like, I, think I mean, it's he's, a fair question. The way he's been developing, you know, where his game's at right now, um, I'm not really sure what the next level is for him. Maybe, you know, passing. Um, I don't know. It's just, I don't know how much further he can, uh, how much better he can get at the things he's good at right now, just from, you know, considering how far he's come. Um, if that makes any sense. Um, so I don't know. I mean, there's obviously things he can do. He can get better at, you can always get better at something, but like, you know, what's he going to do? Like he can't get much more efficient from, you know, shooting. He can't get, you know, I don't know. I, I just don't know what he can really improve upon significantly to get him in that top 10 category. But, well, I think playmaking is probably the next step. Yeah, I mean, playmaking, I think, is always the next step. You know, with, it you seems know, like most, he's on a similar players. track to Tatum. Tatum's just a little ahead of his trajectory. Yeah. So if yeah. Tatum is, is take, has jumped a little more in that playmaking bit this year and kind of, like you said, the reliability and the guy who looks like he can kind of control and take over the game where – Brown really just shows it in like flashes. So I think that's, that's the next step. And then if we have two guys like that, forget it. Yeah, no, I agree. So we'll see. I mean, I hope, I think, you know, I think it's safe to say that Jalen's, I don't know, already top 20, right? I mean, just considering, you know, that he was an all-star. Um, yeah. 2025 is yeah. the worst, but so I mean, really good. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that I that's better than I probably ever thought he would be anyway. Right. So, I mean, yeah, getting into the top 25 is a huge win. Um, so yeah, I mean, that's, that's, it's been a great year for him and let's, uh, I'm excited to see what comes next. So that's, uh, that brings us to Marcus smart. Mm. I'm very excited to see what your grade is for this. One. <laughs> well, it's tough to grade Marcus because he's missed 18 games now. That's half of the season, I think. Um, so I gave him a B because I think when he played, he was about what we'd expect from Marcus. He wasn't amazing by his standards, but he's really good and he's what we've come to expect. So just a solid B. And he missed a ton of time, which I could knock him for, but I think we've all almost realize his value even more while he's been out. So it was hard to drop him for missing time with an injury. Uh, I gave him a B. I don't know. Not a lot to say at Marcus about this point other than I just really miss him and need him back in my life in a more prominent way. Yeah. I mean, we we all want him back. (laughs) Um, You know, it's been average, you know, it's been an average Marcus smart year. That's, this is what he does, um, which is you know, good when, when he was healthy. Really good. Yeah. No, I mean, yeah, Marcus is what, you know, Marcus is Marcus. He's, this is who he's going to be. I don't know if, you know, he has the next level. He'll still keep getting better, but I mean, mm-hmm. this is what he does. He's a really good defender, um, versatile defender, uh, improving his 
you know, three point shooting, shot making. Um, I like it when he goes with the hope. I like his mid range. Great, you know, really good passer. Um, you know, sets up the offense. He's turned into like a real, you know, point guard. A good, you know, modern day point guard, I would say. Well, has turned into or has finally gotten the opportunity to well, be. Yeah, I mean, he's, <laughs> he's proven that no, I know. That's, that's what he is. But yeah, no. uh, so. This is playmaking. He's leading yeah. the team in assists. Yeah. So. So yeah, he's he's been who he is. Um, hasn't been worse. Hasn't been better. It's, so he's B is fair. Um, and then, yeah, I guess so. Kemba Walker would be next on minutes per game if that's how we're going down the list. Yeah. How he's up to 30, 30 minutes per game. When did that happen? <laughs> uh, well, I, I mean. Sitting out back to backs is, is obviously helping. I guess, but I feel like he's been playing twenty. Yeah, I don't know. I think the last stretch of games, he's really started to stretch it out a little. Obviously, he has because the numbers don't lie. Right. I gave Kemba a C plus. Another again, it was easy to be like reactionary and give him a really bad grade, but the guy had had knee surgery. He's still coming back. He's getting his legs under him. He's getting his, his confidence, his rhythm, learning to play with these guys who are, you know, Tatum and Brown having awesome years. He doesn't want to step on their toes. So really, really, really hard situation. The, the lows have been bad and looked really low. The highs, especially more recently, as it seems like with a lot of these games, he has the right amount of rest. He's looked a lot better. And overall, as we've said, I think physically he looks mostly there, most of the way back. He's able to get to his spots for the most part and get his shots and can still get in the lane and get a bucket when we need it. So recent returns have been much more promising and kind of dragged that grade up from probably was like a stagnant D and for disappointing, uh, but is slow, steadily climbing to a C plus and Hopefully this is all kind of part of the plan as he's rounding back into all-star Kemba form that we will certainly need if we want to get back to being some semblance of a contender. So would you land on C plus? Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I would maybe even go a little bit higher for Kemba. Um, and it's mostly just because of, you know, what he's had to work with as far as, you know, the rehab, um, yeah. you know, I'm not one to, you know, give people breaks and players and coaches benefit of the doubt, but I mean, I guess he didn't really have any opportunity to practice first half of the year before he came back. Um, and I know, you know, some people would say practice is, you know, not that important, but I mean, I don't think anyone thinks it's not important, but you know, under undervalue practice. Uh, oh yeah and it's not it's not as much just you know playing with each other and you know uh, you know that that aspect of practice it's just like getting into a flow and getting you know into mm-hmm. game shape and uh, right because i mean shooting you know shooting threes you know in, in an empty gym is not the same as you know shooting threes with the guy on your face with you know nine other people on the court well, yeah, and um, just the speed, like I said, too, going from not playing at all yeah. to jumping right into NBA games is really challenging. Yeah. And, I mean, you know, obviously he wasn't hitting shots and finishing shots for, 
you know, a good portion of those games, but he always, he looked like a healthy version of Kemba pretty much straight from the beginning. But, there was reason for optimism. Yeah. But I mean, he wasn't, you know, he wasn't making shots and finishing, you know, at the rim. So, yeah. I mean, people are saying, you know, is he still hurt? Is he this? It's like, well, he doesn't look hurt. He's just mm-hmm. not hitting shots. And I mean, if you're, I don't know, if I know his size and health is a concern, um, but I mean, if you're a guy that can hit shots, you know, it doesn't matter. You yeah. Know, it, you, you should be able to hit shots, you know, your whole life, really. Sure. And it looked like he was getting good looks and looks that were yeah. so used to him hitting. So it's like, if he's not back to 100%, you wouldn't think it would show up in just missing good yeah. looks. Yeah. So and that he, was the part that was a little, you know, I guess discouraging. But again, kind of, it, it we, is what it is. The rest, we the rest looked pretty good. We were never concerned on this show. Um, not super concerned, but I think it goes back to the conversation we were kind of having with Brad, how we were talking about how much the results matter, where mm-hmm. when Kemba's having some of these awful shooting nights, you see people saying like, well, how the hell can Brad leave him in the game? He shouldn't close with Kemba if he's having this bad of a game. But again, how much are you focusing on that result versus like, I think we all know if the Celtics have any chance, it's going to be with Kemba playing well and certainly playing in crunch time. So I don't know. So like bench him in a situation with this, where it's like, I think we got to get him back into these situations. And he, yeah, he might have some Rocky moments, which he has, but I think that's more of, like we said, kind of playing the long game. And that gives us the best chance of getting back to kind of to reaching our ceiling by the playoffs, which putting in Peyton Pritchard for, for Kemba because Kemba's having an off night is probably not something that's like going to get us to where we want to be, I guess. Yeah, I mean, if Kemba's not, you know, at least if he's not 90% of what he was, then we have no shot going anywhere. So we right. need him. We need Kemba. If we don't have Kemba, then we might as well just, you know, shut everybody down and yeah. go for go for a high lotto pick. <laughs> um, okay, so then that brings us to Daniel Tice. What do you got? Tice, I gave a B-. minus. I think he's been pretty solid, showed, you know, that he's – the player we thought he was a good player most of the bad tie stuff it's kind of what i said before that it's just the role i mean he's playing power forward he's not he should be a center he should be playing center he is good playing with our best guys in our best lineup he's always been good that's still been the case this year when he's at center i've been pleased with what he gives um he's shot the ball well for the most part a little bit of a slump lately but still like 37 percent three for the year you'll certainly take that out of him I think he's just been really solid, which is what we've come to expect out of Tice. So again, the worst parts about Tice have been that it's really hard for him to find minutes at his best position center on this team. So that is essentially what drags him down to a B minus for me. Uh, He hasn't made like huge improvements either that would vault him up. And as we've talked about, he might just end up kind of being the odd man out. Like I said, the DNP the other night, I don't think that's fair to him. He's, he's good, but uh yeah, fit and role is kind of the toughest thing for him. Yeah. Um, B, the, I would even go with a B. Um, and I B minus is probably harsh because none of I the mean, stuff that's been wrong is really his fault. Yeah, because I mean, that's, that's part of it. But, I mean, um, I'm not expecting Tice to, like, develop any more than what he is, really. I mean, I think he's probably – he probably is what he is too, you know, kind of like what we're saying with Marcus, you know, we know what to expect. This is what we're going to get out of him. Um, 
I think it's more of just, you know, how he's been playing and maybe the confidence, which I have seen more of. I mean, I remember back at the, you know, like the Toronto series, I think it was in the bubble, you know, he was gun shy when he was, you know, they, they were leaving an open behind the three, which is usually, you know, he's a decent three point shooter. Mm-hmm. He was just gun shy. And I mean, you can't, you can't be gun shy, even if you're not hitting at a high rate, you know, if you, he's got to be a stretch five. Right. Um, that's what he is. I think at his best. Well, yeah. And I think that just becomes more pronounced when he's at power forward and you've got another guy out there, whether it's Thompson or Williams, yeah. who's already not a shooter. Yeah. So then it gets magnified. If Tice isn't going to shoot, then you got mm-hmm. two non shooters. Like, what are we doing? So yeah, yeah, I agree. When it's, when he's the five and he's stretching the floor, that 37% three is awesome. Mm-hmm. When it's at four, not so much. So, yeah. and again, in, if it's crunch time and a team is daring him to shoot, I still don't like love the idea of Tice just chucking up a bunch of threes in the last huh. few minutes of a close game. Yeah. The stats say he should shoot him and he kind of has to, but I'm not like super confident in him, you know? Well, I mean, I prefer that's not the look we get, but yeah. he's got a, if, if you're wide open. Which I think it. is more my way of saying that as this all plays out, we really need Robert Williams to be the guy. And that was yeah. another thing where, we talked about Rob earlier and how he's pushed his way in, but it seems like he's finally asserted kind of the crunch time role. Mm-hmm. As I think it was the last game or one of the last two games he played basically the last 14 minutes of the game, minus kind of situational subs for fouling and re- defense and whatever. But he was the guy he closed. I think that's at least going to continue. And that's kind of it. Rob is a guy he'll stay down in that dunker spot. <clears throat> he'll run around setting screens. He'll roll hard be a rim runner and you can't leave him because you give him a little daylight and they can just toss up a pass and he's going to slam it down. So I guess I kind of feel better as him as a, as Rob being the center, who's probably kind of like the guy not involved maybe in touching the ball as it, as then if it ends up Tice, who's kind of frozen out in a corner or something. So I think that's just kind of a limitation on, on his game. I don't think he's ever going to be like a a 40 something percent sniper from three. No, I agree. I've been encouraged by his efficiency. Yeah, um, it's great for the regular season, and I mean it's yeah. it's it's even great in the playoffs and it's the role. I just, again, I don't. I hope we don't have to kind of live and die by Tice throws. No. I, mean, I think he's a he's a perfect, you know, backup center. I'd say. Um, I mean, yeah. he's obviously he can be a starter, but I mean, in our ideal, I think in our optimal lineup, it's you know Robert Williams at center, mm-hmm. you know the starter, the finisher. And then Tice comes in and, you know, he's just stretch five off the bench. I think that's, I think that's his role um, ultimately. Yeah, I hope so. Um, so, yeah. And he's, you know, he's a solid defender. I mean, he can block shots. I know he's not very tall, but, um, you know, neither is Robert Williams. So, um, yeah. So I think it'd be, be my answer. Tice is a really good rim protector for his size. Like I know. very above yes. average. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. Um, all right. So let's, uh, Let's get to Tristan Thompson. Um, you know, you know, we've talked a lot about Tristan this year. Uh, yeah. We talked about him a little today. Um, he's kind of a, I don't know if he's tough to grade, just considering, you know, he's played better the last few days. So I don't know if it's going to be mm-hmm. a little bit of recency bias, but um, what do you got with Tristan? Well, I think, like you said, it's Tristan is Tristan is Tristan. It's just rock solid. You get what you get. That's what it is. And so I just gave him a solid, C. Nothing hasn't exceeded expectations, and I would say he hasn't 
like not lived up to expectations. He's just met the expectation I have for Tristan Thompson. Hard to be frustrated when you know what you're going to get. And he's, you know, he's works his ass off. He slams people around on screens. I would love to see uh, Rob kind of learn, watch more Tristan screening and get to that level of screen setting, which I don't know if he ever will because Tristan is just so much bigger, but he sets good screens. He crashes the boards hard. It's not sexy. He is super slow, terrible hands. Can't make a bunny. Can barely even get up to dunk anymore. <laughs> but, like, he's Tristan Thompson. He's solid. He just got a solid C. I would – our other two centers, I would rather play. So, again, the biggest the biggest issue with Tristan, I keep saying, is just the minutes he's taking at center from other guys. Yeah, C-minus for me. Um because I think, like you said, people, I think some people expected more out of him for whatever reason. Um, I mean, even at, you know, I wouldn't say he's a shell of himself. He still pretty much does the things he's always done, maybe lost a little bit just because you know, he is getting older. But this is, you know, this is who he is. Um, and I mean, the way he played for most of the season. Uh, it took know, him a while to get going. It took him a while to get going. And, you know, even when he was pulling down offensive rebounds, you know, and he was, you know, chucking them back up at the shot. Oh, yeah, how many of those were his own misses? Yeah, exactly. And a lot of them were his own misses. So a lot of it was empty stats. And, um, you know, I like when he's playing his optimal game, I think he's good for this team. He's a good player and he has a, you know, he has a role in the NBA. But definitely he, he hasn't done it, that. <laughs> The biggest problem, I, I keep we keep saying, but it's just three centers in the NBA yeah. in 2021 is not really tenable, mm. and they're all kind of deserving of minutes. That's the biggest problem is that you can't really just ice out any of them. Right. So, so yeah, I don't think it's tough. I think CC minus is fair. I mean, there's not really much to say about Tristan. He's been late long enough that mm-hmm. you know we know what he is. Um. So. This is an interesting one. Let's get to Peyton Pritchard. <laughs> Peyton Pritchard, I gave a straight up A because wow. he's the 26th pick in the draft, a rookie who got no training camp, summer league, etc., and was almost unanimously mocked by Celtics fans and otherwise on draft night. He has stepped right in from almost the go and been one of our best players and most reliable and most important. And I shudder to think where the Celtics would be without Brayton Pritchard, frankly. So, you know, just grading on the scale of kind of expectation versus everything else. Like he was kind of the easiest. I mean, I think he's the only guy I gave a straight a to not to spoil the rest, but to me, I just like don't I'm not sure what more he really could have shown you in that first half of the season slash his NBA career for a guy who wasn't even a lottery pick, even close right. to a lottery pick, barely a first round pick. Yeah. Um yeah, I don't know. I'm I don't like giving out his <laughs> uh, I mean he he can play better, that's the thing, but it seems unfair to hold him to that standard. No, I know. And I mean, maybe he was just undervalued. I mean you know, Which he was, clearly, he was NBA, clear. NBA, not, ready. By, not by this podcast for the record. Right. He was NBA ready um, coming yeah. out. I mean, that's, he was, you know, he was a four-year player. How old is he? Yeah. 
Yeah, no, I mean, obviously you, that's you kind of those... part of the logic in drafting him. I think that you were getting an NBA ready guy, but at the same time, I think when we did our draft preview and I said, Peyton Pritchard's a sleeper. Hmm. And then when the Celtics picked him, and I, if you recall, my bold prediction after the draft was that Pritchard would surpass Teague as the backup point guard. And I yeah. think that that raised a lot of eyebrows, yeah. but it happened even quicker than I thought. So, yeah, yeah. I mean, I think, He's obviously played great. Um, hasn't really seemed to skip a beat coming back from the injury. Um, you know, maybe took a couple of games to get back home, but uh, I mean, he's he's been rock solid. And I mean, I think we kind of knew he was going to have sort of a mature game, just you know, from the way he played in college. Um, but I, the thing I didn't really see was, you know, he's got range. I mean, I knew he could shoot threes, but like he's shooting deep threes consistently yeah. with confidence. Sometimes um, off, the, off the dribble step backs, like, right. I mean, no he's fear. shooting, he's shooting 40% from three. I mean, that's mm-hmm. pretty good. And he's not uh, just a guy and he's not just standing in the corner shooting open looks. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And he's, you know, he's confident taking the ball, taking it into the, you know, amongst the trees it's been solid finisher. Um, I mean, he doesn't get to the line much, but he's been great free throw shooter. Um, you know, good, good. You know, moving the ball around, unselfish for the most part. I mean, he's just been, he's been good. He's been probably as good as he could have been. I'd say this year. Um, so yeah. I guess maybe that means an A. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> It's hard to look around the league and find many rookies, I think, who are making like more of an impact on winning. Yeah. No, that's fair. Um, so for a guy taking 26, that's. Yeah. yeah. So I'm not going to, I'm not going to argue with an A, but I'm, uh, you know, we're Pritchard guys. Uh, okay. Shemi. He's next on the list. Um, 19 minutes per game. That's, that's pretty good overall. Um, all right. So what do you got? What do you think about Shemi? I gave Shemi a shawl, a, a Shemi, a solid B. <laughs> uh, I gave him a solid B because I, I wanted to give him a higher grade, but it, it still feels like there's certain things that just, I'm not sure he can really reach higher. So I've been, we've been, we've talked a lot of, uh, about Shemi on this pod and a lot of positive stuff that we've really both liked the way he's played. But despite that, he's still, seemingly has not earned like a stable position night to night in the rotation. He still seems to get these DMPs, which is annoying. (laughs) Um, He's clearly come a long way with the shot and the confidence, his whole offensive game. We've talked about that a lot. It's been a breath of fresh air, just that, you know, he's capable, but I think there's still, there's still something that Brad doesn't like. And I think it's maybe just the, the ball's not moving enough with him things like that. It seems weird on his defense. Like he's such a good solid defender, but it's like getting to the point where he seems almost like too risk averse. Like he'll never ever bite on a pump fake, but he'll also never even jump to contest a shot. Like he'll contest just with his hand up in your face, but he'll never get jump for and block a shot. He'll never reach in and get a steal. Like he's, I don't know. He's like a robot on defense. So it's, he's good. Don't get me wrong. Um, it's almost just like funny to watch the way he's, he's programmed when he goes in there and never takes any chances or does anything kind of off script, which in a lot of ways is good, but in some other ways, sometimes I'm like, 
damn, Shemi, like jump that passing lane or do something a little more aggressive because I, I think he still is a really good athlete and kind of could improve in some ways there. But um, yeah, yeah. I mean, I guess on offense, it's got to be just that they think the ball's stopping too much, but he's been much quicker to kind of react. He's, he's taken advantage of teams that are slow to rotate and he'll make a pump fake and drive or he'll catch and shoot with confidence. So he's come a long way. It's been promising. I think, again, a solid B is a, it's a fair grade. Yeah, no, I think that's, I think that's definitely fair. Um, I might even go B plus. Um, I mean, I think his, his confidence going to the rim is, you know, has come as like tenfold what it was last year. Um, his shot making, I don't know. I don't know what the numbers are, but he's I'm, a, I'm confident in him taking a corner three um i just think he he's improved enough this off season to earn you know a bb plus um and he's last even last year i was worried that he could be the odd man out um the off season um and he's proved me wrong i mean he's he's an nba player and i think you know second round pick for was his fourth year in the league and he's getting 20 minutes a game. I mean, what more could you ask for really? I mean, like you said, solid defender, very risk adverse, but I mean, I guess do what you're good at, whatever's, you know, if, <laughs> if you're yeah, not comfortable. It's better than bad defense. <laughs> yeah, Certainly. Exactly. So, I mean, you know, if you just, if you're just a very stable defender and you hold your ground, you know, bite on anything then you know you're gonna you're gonna at least be an average defender um so i don't know maybe i assume that's how brad's coaching i mean if if you had to guess what percentage of shemi's field goal attempts do you think are threes uh field goal attempts 80 (laughs) percent 71 percent so wow pretty close that's not i mean that's just this season yeah yeah that's not it's gone up it's gone up well not every year but it's it's been over well over 50 percent every year it was 65 last year up to 71 this year i I think um, that's i think that's who he is but the percentage has risen every year and he's up to over 38 percent this year so yeah that's Mm. solid yeah um yeah i mean i think that's i think that's who he is um i think that's what he is his best position is as a corner three defender, you know, maybe mm-hmm. with a little bit of upside. Um, yeah. And it's just like, a uh, like we said, this year he's shooting over three threes a game. And if he's, he had never even reached two in a season before this. So that's a big I think difference. We've, I think we've, you know, compared him to the likeness of maybe a, a PJ Tucker. Um, someone that if he can be something approaching that, um, I think that's, you know, I think that's, obviously an asset for any team really um okay so we're now going to hit on grant williams um he's kind of been a mystery this year uh you know rotation wise and minutes wise um Mm. we've talked a lot about that so maybe he's a little bit hard to grade but what do you think (sighs) A lot of these guys feel hard to grade and it feels like you can, you know, watch them on any two given nights and it could range from an F to an A. 
Grant, I overall gave, I settled on a C minus, which even as I say, it feels kind of harsh, but I, I, it's just kind of been a rough year and disappointing. And he finally got back into the rotation the last couple of games and looked really good. And that probably raised his grade up. So um, I guess overall Grant is probably one of the guys who I really have been just frustrated with his lack of consistent minutes. He's been on, he was a DNP a lot of games recently and that hurts, but at the same time, when he does play, sometimes he's, he's looked nice. He's had some really good moments. He's shot 43% on threes from the season. He's lights out from the corner. So again, it's, I don't want to be too harsh because it seems like a lot of stuff is just the roster is not really tailored for him to play a significant role where I'd like him to, which would be a kind of a small ball five or even starting. If he was the quote unquote second big starting to me, that would be a lot more palatable than kind of starting the two centers as we have been. So I don't want to be too critical where there's just been so much weirdness and so much inconsistency with his minutes, but I definitely expected to see more and kind of expected to see a bigger jump in his overall game. And I thought he'd be a guy who, we were really relying on as part of the rotation. Now, again, I think the last couple of games, he's played like 30 something minutes after a shitload of DNPs in a row. So who knows? Maybe that is still the case, but for whatever reason, it's just been weird and overall a bit disappointing. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's not harsh. No, I don't think it's <laughs> harsh. Um, Cause you know, when he's, when he's playing well, he's playing real well. But like you said, in his role, it's a, it's a tough – he's in a tough position. I mean, we have three centers right now, and I think ultimately he's best suited to be a small ball five. I mean, when he's playing the four, he's just – he seems out of place. I mean, he's not – he doesn't really have that skill set to be a, you know, a modern four, I guess. Um, so it's – I guess it's sort of the opportunity is working against him, but – you know, you can only, you know, play as well as, you know, the opportunity you're given. So um, the inconsistency, I'd say probably, yeah, C, C minus is, is fair. Uh, and then another, another one of our favorites, Jeff Teague comes in at 18.1 minutes per game. How are we grading Jeffrey Teague? So I think I gave Jeff a D. Um, I, I don't know. We kind of mentioned it at the beginning. He was really frustrating. He got his way completely out of the lineup. It was brutal. It's like every time he went in, he was just turning the ball over, couldn't help himself, wasn't making shots, wasn't playing as good a D as we expected. And then, like I said, a long string of DNPs. Now he seems back in the rotation recently and has looked like serviceable. Like I said, about what you'd want from a 35, whatever year old you signed to the vet minimum. He's been solid in that role so that bumped him up to a passing grade in my books i i gave him a d and i'm hoping that he's another guy who can get that up to more, more respectable number by the end of the year because the last couple of weeks were were promising yeah um i don't want to overreact to the last few games obviously um but yeah. if that's any indication then it's huge step in the right direction um yeah overall like you said the, the year has been i'd i'd be willing to say a disaster for him um, disastrous yeah disastrous uh <laughs> but he's he he's actually been solid from three 
like consistently for the whole year. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't, I never really, uh, I never really cringed when he was taking an open three. Um, no, at any no. point this season, he I mean, shoot. Yeah. He can yeah. make an open shot. I don't yeah. think he's, that's going away. It's yeah. kind of the other stuff. Yeah. Everything else. That was pretty much the only aspect of the game, you know, up until recently that I've been, you know, mm-hmm. remotely, you know, even slightly confident in. So, um, you know, he can shoot free throws too, I guess, but you know, he's, yeah. he's, he, he's solid as a shooter, pure shooter, I guess. Um, which, you know, I wasn't really expecting, I guess. I don't know if that's really been his, you know, I really mean, his, his MO. Yeah. But so if he can continue to hit threes and then have a slight improvement, you know, in the other aspects of it for the rest of the year, yeah. then, you know, we can drop those minutes down to closer to 10. I'd feel a lot better about it, but. Well, I was going to say, despite even, you know, kind of pr- talking him up recently, I think at this point, at the end of the year, if we're healthy, he's probably nothing more than like an emergency change of pace in the middle of a playoff series that isn't going well. And like, you know, in game four of a series, we get down 20 and we throw in Teague for instead of Pritchard to like light a spark. To me, he's not, he's not, if he's part of the rotation in the playoffs, we're in trouble. <laughs> yeah, no, that's, that's, that's a fact. Um, I think that's enough for Teague. I don't want to spend think- too much time there. Yeah, we're getting uh, to the guys where it seems almost yeah. unfair to grade them. Although, well, the next other guy, than the next guy, <laughs> right? The, uh, the the most crucial grade probably this entire segment, Mr. Robert Williams. <laughs> um, I'm. I feel like I know where you're going to go with this grade, but you've surprised me so far. So, what do you got? <laughs> First of all, I just want to say the fact that if anyone didn't pick up on it at home, we've been going through the roster in order of minutes per game, and we're just <laughs> now getting to Robert Williams. So I just just below Jeff Teague, just just behind Teague, Grant Williams, and Ojale comes yeah. Robert Williams. <laughs> Not even just below, two full minutes behind Jeff Teague. Yeah. So obviously, like we said, it seems things are finally starting to trend in the right direction. Yeah. But um. I gave Rob a B plus. So I think he's been really good. The, like I said, the mistakes are still there. There's still times there's been a game. He went in and I think committed four fouls in like two minutes. He still will just leap on some pump fakes. He still can kind of look disastrous when lost in a pick and roll. Um, I get stuck on an Island and he doesn't sometimes know am I switching? Am I hedging? Am I, am I dropping? So it's like there's little subtle stuff there that is still obviously needs to improve. And, you know, I think you could say the same on offense. But overall, big picture, massive steps in the right direction, pretty much across the board. Those defensive things that I just mentioned are night and day better than they were even last regular season. Into the bubble, you, you saw some signs, but he, he still was getting lost in, against good, smart teams. Now – the mistakes have cut down to a point where you can live with them against in any matchup. And there's, there's no situation where I don't want him on the floor. He's proven that the upside outweighs it, you know, and even the mistakes, it's like, he's following them up with an absurd put back dunk or making a great pass out of nowhere. He'll get beat off the dribble, but then recover with a crazy block. Cause he's so athletic. So B plus really just cause I think I can't just completely exonerate him from the fact that he's played so little. I don't know what's going on behind the scenes, but 
I'm not going to just say he's not at all to blame for the fact that he hasn't come along more, I guess, but it, it does seem like it's really all starting to click. So uh, he's been awesome B plus, And I hope that, that he can be pushing for an A plus by the end of the season as hopefully he's logging, you know, 28 to 30 minutes a game. Yeah. And um, the way he's played, I don't know, whatever it has been the last month, I would yeah. certainly give him a, you know, I'd, I'd say he'd be higher than a B plus. Um, yeah. Yeah, but, you know, the season as a whole, and that's, you know, B-plus is fair. Um, like you said, you know, he hasn't been playing big minutes for some reason. Um, and obviously it's not all because of Brad's, you know, rotation. I mean, there's a reason why Brad hasn't played him, you know, mm-hmm. 25 minutes a game all year long. So exactly whether that's, you know, his gameplay or his injury history or whatever it is, um, you know, he has to take some sort of a hit for that. Um, you can't, you can't give a guy playing 16 minutes a game in a, a month. <laughs> well, that's kind of why, right. why I was at. Yeah. Right. So, you know, I don't, there's really, we can't really talk about Robert Williams anymore than we have, you know, the last every, pretty much every podcast. I'd say. <laughs> yeah, we've, no, we've, 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 we've beaten spent, Rob into the ground as much as yeah. maybe any other topic. Um, so, you know, we can't be any more high on on, uh, on Time Lord. I mean, it's, he's, he's awesome. I can't wait to see, you know, where he goes. And um, I don't know. I mean, he's, a, he's an exciting player and uh, exciting to see where he's come the last month. And just fingers crossed he stays healthy. And by playoff time, he's a 25, 30-minute minute-a-game guy. It's the plan, I hope. <laughs> it's my plan. <laughs> Coach Chud. Yeah, that's the Coach Chud playbook. I, I'm tipping my hand now. Coach Chud has Robert Williams playing 40 minutes a game. <laughs> All right. Uh, uh, tough. Maybe another top one to grade. Aaron Neesmith mm. um, had some, yeah. some, some major ups and downs. But Yeah, I think these last five guys are really, really hard to grade right. for different I mean, reasons. Cause, well, mostly because they don't play much. Right, exactly. Um, I think – you can probably give Neesmith and Javante. They've probably had enough of enough of a sample size to give them, you know, yeah, an incomplete grade of some sort. But the rest of the people, I mean, you know, Carson, Tremont, Taco, I don't think they're even worth talking no. about to be honest. So, no. So Neesmith, I settled on a C, which mm-hmm. again might seem harsh, but at the same time, it's kind of just based on the expectation, which is all we can really do here. Mm-hmm. He's drafted a uh, 14th seemingly had at least one NBA ready skill that he could come in and make shots. And that didn't happen at all for a long time. Like I said, we finally saw him get into the rotation and it actually looked really good, but the first month he looked lost the same stuff I've said about guys recovering from injury and about Pritchard, no training camp, no off season, no summer league, all that stuff that guys usually have. And Neesmith was really young. He didn't come in NBA ready clearly, so I give him credit that he's come this far and has gotten to a point where it looks pretty much night and day from the beginning of the year. Now, clearly it wasn't good enough to earn him a steady spot in the rotation, but I'm, I'm still hopeful that we can keep seeing improvements and maybe by the end of the year, he can get there as a bench player, but he provides what we need. What we keep saying, he's, he's giving the effort. He's given us a spark on a couple different occasions. I've really liked what we've seen in terms of, especially the defensive side of the ball. He's, he's done a good job. 
figured out how to guard. He's using his size, his athleticism. He's helped us kind of switch. Like I keep saying, just having one more guy out there who fits that mold of like a switchable wing, at least two through four, it makes such a difference. Even if he's not that good at it yet, just the ability even is, is giving us a boost. And we've seen flashes of the shooting, but not really what we were hoping for when we kept hearing kind of best shooter in the draft. So that's kind of the one part. We unlock that and, you know, let's have a game where Neesmith gets hot and makes seven threes or something like that. Then I'll get really excited. But so far, it just hasn't come together yet. So C seems like a fair grade. Yeah. Uh, C, C minus. Um, and again, like you were saying, maybe we, had, we put a little bit too much, too high of expectation on him coming into the year. Um, but, you know, like you said, he's his one NBA ready skill was shooting. And I mean, if you can shoot in college, you should be able to shoot in the NBA um, to some extent. And I mean, he wasn't making threes for a good portion of the season. And if he's not making threes, you know, first half of the year, then he's basically not doesn't have a role in this team. So yeah. I think I know we talked about early in the year where we thought he was actually the perfect pick for us at that point, because that's what we needed. We needed a guy yeah. that can just, and, you know, and I'm snipe. not giving up on that idea. I still think that no. is the case just because he's whatever, 19, 20 years old and isn't yeah. that right now. doesn't mean he won't be. No, no. I mean, this isn't, you know, a career grade projection. You know, I have seen some things I like from obviously, uh, it seemed seemingly out of nowhere. All of a sudden, he had this like defensive intensity that just that like, came out of nowhere. I mean, he—I forget which game it was, but remember he came out when he had he had that game where he played like thirty minutes or something, twenty-five yeah, minutes. Right. And it, he looked like I an think, NBA uh, player. Yeah, I don't remember specifically, but it was it was a win. I'm pretty yeah. sure. Uh, no, well, I think first it was in the Wizards game that we got killed. Right. right, right. <laughs> but then so. he came in the next night and played. A, like 26 minutes in a win. So yeah, it was, yeah. Uh, it was, it was a bunch of DNPs for a long time. And then three straight games, he played like 25 or more minutes yeah. and looked good. So yeah. again, the weirdness of the rotations and whatnot, but then now he's back to DNP the last few games. Mm-hmm. And again, I think part of that was kind of, they wanted crisper, quicker, more decisive ball movement on offense. Yeah. yeah and he's been, he's been surprisingly good from inside the three point line, which yeah. I wasn't expecting. <laughs> um, right. Yeah, he showed an ability to get to the hoop and had some athletic finishes, drawn a couple yeah. fouls, I think made a couple in ones, stuff like that, and some, you know, chase down blocks on defense. Yeah. Not the way – I don't think either of us thought he was going to be contributing no. as a rookie. So yeah. it's, it's I mean, cool to see that without the shot, which has been his defining skill falling, mm-hmm. he's worked hard and, and found other ways to contribute. So that, yeah. that is promising. Yeah, so aspects of his game we didn't see developing probably for a while have mm-hmm. shown through at points. Yeah. But – being able to snipe really hasn't – he hasn't had a stretch or even, like, a game, really, where we've seen that sniper. Yeah, um, and I think it's just rhythm. And, mm. you know, if he's consistently getting 25 minutes a night and getting 10 shots a night, mm. I think we're going to start to see it. Yeah, so hopeful. Um, yeah. But CC minus is fair at this point in the season. Okay. Um, and then let's wrap it up with Javante. Um one of the uh, – he doesn't get a ton of credit, I think, um, 
not that he's, you know, deserves a ton of credit, but he's underappreciated, I think. Um, what what would you give him for a grade? I gave Javante a B plus because again, it's just expectation. This is a guy who wasn't drafted. He's 27 and hasn't, mm-hmm. you know, not made an indent in the league and now is at times looking like a borderline rotation player. He still doesn't get a lot of minutes, but he's he doesn't seem like he needs a lot of minutes. He's kind of the perfect 12th man who is content not playing for a while, but what he brings, you could put him in for a spark off the bench and he's just instant energy zooming around again on D he's another guy who can switch things and is versatile absurd explosiveness on offense. And he's even shown an ability to knock down some open shots. So he's kind of exceeded my expectations, I guess, everywhere you'd want to see it. He's obviously still not a, he hasn't cracked the rotation on a night to night basis, but you know, when needed and this year with all the injuries and other stuff, it's, he's been needed a lot. He's played really well. It's hard for me to, to knock a guy who's, come as far as he has and has, you know, found a home in the league. We guaranteed his contract the other day. And I thought I was not surprised and it was well-deserved. I was happy for him. Yeah. I think the role he's in, he deserves a pretty good grade. I mean, he's earned that role um, 10 to 15 mm-hmm. minutes a game. If you can, you know, if he is a 10 to 15 minute player in the NBA, you know, deservingly, then that's yeah. a solid role for him. Um, Barry. You know, crazy, crazy athleticism, quick. Uh, he's becoming more comfortable as like a corner three-point shooter, which I, he can probably get better at. Um, but, you know, I feel, you know, not confident when he's taking the three mm-hmm. from the corner, but he's making him much more consistently than I thought he would. And it was, he's it probably still doesn't sure. look good. He's no. got almost like a – it's not no. quite as broken looking as like Kid Gilchrist shot. Yeah, it doesn't but it's look somewhere great. between like Teague and Sean Marion. It's very like slingshot <laughs> yeah, off right. the shoulder. But yeah. hey, as long as it goes in, I really don't care. So uh, I don't know what his percentage is. It's probably not great, but still, I, I, I like to see him with the confidence. Um, and I mean, if you can be like, you know, explosive and get to the rim and, uh, you know, run the floor and fast breaks, then you'll have, mm-hmm. you'll have, you know, a role to some extent in the NBA. Um, and his role in this team is, you know, perfect. I think for what he is, um, you know, he's not, he's never going to be, you know, a starter or, you know, great player, even like a, you know, top eight rotational guy, but 10, you know, 10th guy off the bench. I mean, it's not unreasonable. 11th, 12th. I don't know. I mean, a guy that and gets I'll, t- I'll tell you what he could do. He could have been in that damn dunk contest the other night. Yes. If they're going with guys who aren't even in rotations, like I know. send Javante. But that's another story for another day. So I'm happy. I'm happy with Javante. Um, yeah. I, I mean, if, if you're just going to go up and down the roster and grade every player based on, I think, expectation, it's hard to find a guy who I think has kind of overachieved and exceeded expectations more than Javante. They're, he just didn't really have expectations, though. But he's, I don't think anyone right. could say he's underperformed. Yeah, I mean, zero expectations and then playing mm. decently is yeah. pretty good. He started a couple games here and there yeah. because of, yeah. you know, different reasons. But, yeah, no, good with Javante. I'm a Javante fan, so. Yeah, um, got to be. Okay. So, I think we agreed that Edwards, Tremont, Taco, not really worth a grade. Um, yeah, CCA. Right. Oh. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> F, F, D, A+. Plus. Yeah. Fair enough. All right. So that kind of wraps up our 
thoughts on uh, pretty much everything and everyone Celtics from the first half. So that's a good chunk of content for everybody out there. Now, quickly, let's kind of chew up some second half thoughts. Moving on, looking forward. The Celtics have 36 games left. They are don't have a lot of time to play those 36 games, so it will be a frenetic pace. Not a lot of rest. Can't wait. Yeah, as a fan, that's great news for the players. It's probably not. So I hope they actually got some rest in the break over this time. We do have the 13th easiest remaining schedule. So pretty much right about average, obviously. Eight more games to go, then the trade deadline. Marcus Smart, if not back now, should be back very soon. And don't forget, Romeo Lankford hopefully will be back at some point, who at the end of last year was looking good, was legitimately in our rotation, seemingly had figured it out on D, is another one of those guys who fills a huge theoretical role for the Celtics and was a recent lottery pick, is still, I think, only 19 or 20. He's a little younger than Aaron Neesmith even. So that is a real thing, that Lankford is coming back. As far as I know, at least. I feel like I've been hearing um, it for five years. So I know. Well, but you really haven't for that. <laughs> it's, been, it's been unfortunate. But again, like I said, he's still right. super young. I know. So based on uh, everything that has happened so far in this season, knowing what you know now, let's take a second and kind of reset and readjust our thinking. So what now? do you think is a reasonable and fair expectation for the Celtics team this season? Um, I don't remember exactly what I said last time we had this conversation, but I think it was along the lines of, you know, playoff team four through six seed, not a contender. Um, you know, just, a, you know, a team that's in another year of, trying to get another year closer to actually figuring out what they need to do to be a true contender. Um, I don't think we've really gotten further away from that by any means. Um, And our struggles the first half, I don't think, you know, they're solved by any means. And I'm not sure we can really take another step into being, you know, I don't know if we can do anything really to be a contender, anything realistic to be a real contender this year, you know, Mm -hmm. at the trade deadline. I mean, you know, I don't think, you know, Bradley Beal at the trade deadline is realistic or anything like that. If if it's not a person like that, a move like that, then I don't think we're in the conversation at all. Um, Even like, you know, Vooch or something like that, which again, we don't really think that's a possibility, Mm -hmm. but so that's, that's what I mean. Like I don't think any of these big moves, that might put us into playoff content or contender contention. Um, I don't think any of those are realistic. So at this point, I think we can, we can definitely get better just internally um, with what we have, but to t- even take like a leap to be like a real, you know, someone that can get to the Eastern conference finals um, and, you know, compete with Philly and Brooklyn and, Milwaukee, you know, I think it's going to take something external. So some sort of moves, one or two, probably, um, you know, we've touched on a bunch of people. Um, I think the last few episodes, maybe we, I think we were probably a little bit too optimistic on who might be available. Um, 
I feel like the closer we get to the trade deadline, there's actually less people <laughs> that are going to be on the trade block than, than I thought. Um, so we'll, you know, we'll see, we'll see what happens there, but I think it's going to take one or two fairly significant trades for us to really become even a player and, you know, to make it to the Eastern Conference finals. Yeah, that's, uh, I guess, tough medicine to swallow, but probably the most realistic outcome. So, yeah, I think I agree with you that there's really not much we can do to get on the same level as the Nets. I still have some optimism that when we see this team at full strength, we can get into a good enough rhythm that we can compete with Philly and Milwaukee, at least, assuming neither team makes a move. They're definitely ahead of us. We're not in that tier right now. We're not. But I'm still confident we can get there. But yeah, I don't I don't know that we can kind of reach where Brooklyn is. And uh it's unfortunate, but I think that that's just the reality right now. Like you said, there's not a blockbuster trade out there that's gonna happen. There really isn't. And like you said, it seems like we kept kind of telling ourselves, I'll oh, just wait till the deadline, you know, things will fall out of it, more sellers will emerge. It hasn't happened, it's kind of been the opposite. And this play-in tournament is just keeping teams in it. Everyone, there are very few teams that are just out of it. And even some of those ones have kind of made it clear that they don't care. They're just not selling for whatever reason. They don't want to sell that to the fans. So teams like the Kings, the Bulls have kind of already said, we're not selling guys like Harrison Barnes and Thaddeus Young. So we'll see. That can change. That could be posturing. And at the end of the day, if someone gives them an offer that, they can't refuse it won't happen but by the same token i think with what we've seen from the celtics it's a move like that a harrison barnes isn't tilting the scale enough it's it's not making us beat the nets even you know thaddeus young and harrison barnes i don't think that's enough to push us over the nets anymore so i want to be optimistic but it's going to take kemba surging back to like all-star form and really everything going right. And even them probably getting some luck with this current iteration of the team. So guys who I was super excited about Barnes, Thaddeus Young, et cetera. Now I've, I've, I don't want to say I've gone the other way, but I guess that leads to my next question with now that we've kind of both lowered our expectations to what I think is more realistic. What do you think is the best and most realistic way to use our $28 million traded player exception? Because now throwing all our assets in to add fringe guys almost doesn't seem like enough or worth it to the point where I'm not sure I want to expend those assets. So at this point, like if we were playing really well and it looked like we were kind of one role player away from a title, then I could stomach maybe trading Romeo Langford in a first round pick. Now I think the value of what Romeo Langford might become in a year or two actually might be more valuable to us or even letting him play out the end of the season. It seems like if a move is going to be made, it's going to be a big move in the off season that probably won't even involve the exception. So I've kind of come to terms with using it, you know, a second rounder Carson Edwards for Evan Fournier, even though he's expiring and we might lose him for nothing, whatever he'll help us this year. We'll have used the exception and we won't have depleted any of our assets or ability to go chase someone else in the off season. That's obviously just one example. A lot could still shake out, but it just seems like it's going to be such a seller's market. And to get any of those kind of elite role players is going to cost a lot of money. Like 
multiple firsts and maybe multiple young players. I don't know if that still makes sense for us to do this year as much as Celtics fans are not going to want to hear that. What do you think? Unfortunately, I agree. Um, <laughs> I love the idea of making a splash, deadline splashes. I mean, I think everybody loves a good deadline blocky, <laughs> but um, I, don't, I don't see any realistic scenario where we're getting somebody elite at the deadline and i mean if that guy just isn't available he's not available so that being the case and like we kind of just said we're not really contenders so is there any point in moving firsts you know i mean if we were like if we were you know playing amazing and we looked like a real contender then obviously you start moving you know first rounders even Mm -hmm. if you're overpaying a bit to get you over the hump, but we're not there. So, you know, we have this big TPE that, you know, at some point we're hoping to, you know, we got to do something with it. Um, So if we're trying to do something with the TPE, whether it's, you know, in the off season or now, um, I don't want to start burning into that and giving up first rounders and possibly, you know, you know, ruining our chances of making some sort of big move in the offseason. Um, so that's also one reason why um, I really would like, if we're going to be trading for people, I want somebody with at least two years on the contract. Um, yeah. And that's, you're you're going to have to give something up. Well, I mean, to me, like, you know, a George Hill, I know he's not like really going to move the needle, but he's a mm-hmm. good player. He's a veteran. I mean, what yeah, we really talked about him last get, time. What would it really take to get him? I mean, second round picks. I'm, I'm happy to give a million second round picks away. I mean, <laughs> if you can get him with the seconds, uh, uh, yeah, exactly. I'll give away second round picks. I'll give away Edwards, Waters, Javante, maybe Semi and Grant. But like, I think Neesmith and Romeo at this point, I'd rather just ride the. If we're going to get, you know, a four or five seed and lose in the second round, let's roll with those guys, get them to get their legs under them. And then at least they're a better asset, if nothing else, like, or hopefully for us, hopefully they're the players we need and we'll grow into that. But like at a certain point, I'm not sure there's any value in playing vets over them. If it's not really leading us to anywhere better. Right. Yeah. And I mean, like a, a move like George Hill, it's, you know, assuming it's like one, one or two seconds and, you know, Tremont mm-hmm. or whatever. Um, I'm, you know, I'm okay giving that a shot. I mean, worst case, definitely he stinks. Best case, <laughs> he fills a you know big role for us and makes us a better team. Plus, we'll have that you know contract in the book next year, which is a tradable contract. Um, mm-hmm. So I mean, that's kind of just that's yeah. kind of a version of just like throwing shit against the wall in in a way where it's like bring yeah. him in, see what happens. Um, maybe, you know. Maybe it works, maybe it doesn't. If it doesn't, you didn't really give up much and you still have that tradable contract for next year. Um, so I don't really know how many of those players are available right now, but... <laughs> right. I mean, and, w- and again, the, the thing is, there's so few available that the ones who are, maybe someone someone might have to overpay for Hill yeah. and maybe he ends up drawing a first. Like, yeah, I mean, And at a certain point, you don't really want to keep bidding, I guess. I don't know. It's, it's if, tough. It's if tough. I was, you know, if I were you know, the Sixers or um, the Bucks or like Brooklyn. Right. 
Right. I was like, hey, you can get, we can bring in George Hill. It's going to take a first. Exactly. All right, fine. We're like, we have a real shot of winning this year. No, first like a team nothing. like Philly, I think, is going to go all in and give every yeah. asset they can, as they should, because Embiid yeah. is at an MVP level and they're the one seed right now. You don't waste that. You go all in. So we uh, have not earned that at this point, but it's all right. You know, that's not the end of the world. I think just the temper expectations, some help might be coming, but I don't think a lot of help is coming at the deadline. No. I think I've, I've I'm okay been... with kind of using the TPE that way, though. I don't think we have to like necessarily save it because I still think the most likely opportunity for a blockbuster or to make a really big improvement is not going to be with the TPE. It's going to be with probably Kemba's contract or maybe down the road, the contracts of whoever we could get with the TPE. But a blockbuster at this point is going to be around guys like Neesmith, Langford, and a zillion picks. So if we throw those away on short-term minor upgrades, again, you know, you want that instant gratification. You want to improve the team now, but I'm just not, (laughs) sadly, I'm not sure that's our best, best move going forward. I'm not sure that's the best way to maximize the the prime years of Tatum and Brown, which at the end of the day is, has to be priority number one. Yeah. And I'm always a guy that roots for fireworks, Uh, not just because I like to see it, but I think the last couple of years, I think is warranted some, you know, significant, um, you know, mid season trade deadline Mm -hmm. moves. Um, I think you make a great argument that we should have made more moves than we have deadline last couple of years, but this year, I just, it's, I don't think we're good enough. We're not good enough to make yeah. a big move. And if right. we do, so I think the then it's a waste of assets. The, the exception, yeah, would be the only reason. So maybe yeah. guys who have fall, who are on expiring deals and have fallen out of favor or whatever, like yeah. TJ Tucker maybe has played so poorly and the Rockets are clearly now tanking. Maybe we yeah. can get him for a couple seconds. Yeah. And uh, I keep mentioning Fournier, as you know, but guys like that, those are two guys who are expiring would probably not be at a realistic part of our future, but would help us this year. And we would still kind of have a full treasure test, depending on how we make the money work to get both. I think we'd have to at least part with something, but anyway, I think it's going to be more smaller stuff like that. I don't, the guys who are available, it seems like maybe like an Oladipo. I just, that doesn't do it for me. Um. I mean, I like the idea of Oladipo. I just <laughs> yeah, I great. he's a great idea. Yeah, it's an awesome idea. I mean, but... again, he just turned that two for forty-five. So are we renting him? Mm. And I mean, like, I don't want to pay him long term. Do you? He, no, he's not going to be a. He's not going to be a cheap rental either. Yeah. Um, so to right to rent him, we're not. Again, it's we're, he's not worth giving up the assets to rent right. him. So unless right. Danny thinks he's, we want to get him and he wants to pay him and make him kind of our third guy on offense. Mm. Which I don't, I wouldn't love. <laughs> no, I wouldn't love it, but I mean, I guess you could do worse on Oladipo as your. Oh, you, yeah, he'd, he'd help the team, the player, yeah. obviously, but Let's not an imperfect fit to say the least. Yeah. So I guess I think in a, really since we did our last ball, we did a lot of speculating about the trade deadline, and I think we went over almost every name. So I don't want to rehash it because frankly it's been pretty stagnant i don't think mm-hmm. much has changed if anything some of the names we mentioned are probably less realistic now definitely are there any guys out there who who you who we haven't mentioned not just today but in the last couple of pods who we haven't mentioned at all this season 
who you think have, have caught your eye is maybe now they're a target or it's kind of just the same guys we keep talking about? Um, no, I think it's, I think it's pretty much everyone we've been talking about then, yeah. you know, cut that in half. I mean, like, I don't <laughs> right. think, I don't think anybody else has really, you know, risen to the top. I think if anything, people have fallen off. Um, I don't know. I mean, is it, uh, there's no one I can think of. Is there anyone, anyone you got? No, there really isn't. Um, we went pretty in depth last time. And like I said, I think our next pod maybe will be there right before or right after the deadline. And then we can kind of recap what happens. But at this point, I feel like we've, we've done maybe too much speculating. Um, <laughs> I don't know what else is there, but so if those teams aren't selling, it's going to be trouble. Larry Nance. We didn't talk a lot about, um, oh, yeah. he, was, he was rumored, I guess, uh, buddy healed maybe is rumored, but at, still these are guys who are, we're talking multiple firsts and maybe a player. And I just don't, I don't think they're good enough, I guess. And they're not good enough. And we as a team aren't good enough that it would exactly. kind of be worth it. Yeah. Um, I'm also with Nance. Um, he's I mean, cost most, a lot. He's most good. These people, I like him, but he's going to cost Most of these a lot people that him. I'm all set with is mostly because it's going to cost too much Yeah. for and not enough of a return. Also, the Cavs just came out and said they're not trading him. They keep right. getting calls and they said they have no interest in moving him. So that's the thing. Everybody, I mean, nobody is. Yeah, right. Exactly. So, so I think that's kind of the bigger takeaway. All right. So we've beaten that one to death. So I, I, I don't know. Any other thoughts expectations on the second half of the season I, I i think we've pretty much covered it right yeah we want to I mean, see the team just get back to health play in a rhythm and at least just go into the playoffs playing well and, and feeling like we have a chance that's all yeah. i want to see give yeah. me a fighting I mean, chance give me a reason things, to give me a reason to get to get my heart broke yeah every as as currently constructed the jays need to continue to be all-stars kemba needs to you know get back to his all-star level mm-hmm. and Marcus needs to be healthy. And if we can get those four things, then we'll at least be a fun playoff team. Um, yeah. Worst case. So and crunch time time Lord. Yeah. Oh, crunch time time. Lord, yeah. <laughs> so that's, yeah. that's what I'm looking for. Um, that's a fun lineup if it's healthy and playing well. And uh, I mean, that's, that's all I'm really hoping for this year. Yeah. I think that's about it. I, let's let's go in as, you know, the team that everyone has now written off and going back in kind of with a chip on our shoulder, everyone healthy, playing well, playing loose. And let's see it. Let's see Man. it, you know. Let's, yep. let's get back to the to what we were hoping to see at the beginning of the year by the playoffs, and I'll, I'll be very happy. Agreed, unfortunately. Yeah, I know. It's tough. It's not what you want to hear, but. Tough build as well, but that's what it is. Exactly. That's all right. Well, I think that pretty much wraps up all of our takes on the Celtics for this current time. We'll reconvene hopefully in a few weeks around that March 25th trade deadline. Seems like a good target date to recap the deadline. Let's hope there is something at least to recap, Mm. but uh, something we like. We'll find something (laughs) to talk about. All right. But again, for Nick Perino, I'm Ben Handler. Thank you for joining us for another episode of Chuddy's Corner. See you next time. See ya. Should have never sent him to pick up the work for him. Spray the park and had my shit inside the car. Marcus Smart Boy was shooting with a 36 on him. Said if he wasn't in a rush, they was all goners. Tank cursive on the jets, he was gonna Sean John him. They were sleeping on the garden and dawned on him.